Steve and Johnny They are good friends of mine Well, I just tune them in WG and overnight Steve and Johnny Chicago's pride and joy They give life after dark up and listen up and they'll be there at your side life after dark is where I'll be forevermore Evermore. gonna be some sweet sounds sweet sounds oh on the night shift you feel like family I think that means we're on. Yep, we're on. Hi, kids. Him and her at WGN Radio. Hello. We just, <laughs> we've just been hanging out at the radio station here, and about 15 minutes ago, one of us yawned, and we went, oh, that's not a good sign. Yeah. So, yay! We're all ready for the show. That's the problem I've always had yep. with, with showing up before the yep. a lot of time before the gig starts. Yep. Because we've been here for what about at least the past uh, hour, and, hour half. and a half? Yeah, so you get you you, have you give yourself a lot of time to <laughs> say, oh, to just kind of uh, <laughs> stop that. Oh, it's going to be a long night. No, actually, it won't be a long night because we've got so many things to do and people to talk to and stories, games, fun, the funny company. <laughs> It's made for you and me. <laughs> Coming up a little later, we're going to talk a lot about um, the city of Chicago and memories from mm-hmm. the city of Chicago with our friend, uh, author Neil Samars, who has a terrific new book out, Memories of Growing Up in Chicago, Recalling Life in the 20th Century. I'm showing the staff the book, the beautiful book. It's a biggie, uh, but it's not real heavy, which is nice. No. Uh, but it's it's... It's got a lot of it's a nice hardback in, yeah, book. It's got a lot of interesting essays by people who grew up in Chicago, and the Chicago suburbs too are included. So, if you've been a long time Chicagoan, you will mm-hmm. love this. And, and if you are one of our many listeners from other places, uh, you kind of get a good peek at what Chicago is all about, and it gives you a good sense of how the North Side differs from the South Side. The South Side knows how to count. Yeah, and they don't name streets. They just use numbers. Because <laughs> yeah. who can come up with something creative like a street name? So let's give it a number. Right? As opposed to... Don't give me that Ashland and Clark nonsense. Ashland crosses yeah. Clark. That's just weird. Every time we get to the corner where Ashland crosses Clark, 
Steve stops and says, now that's wrong. That's just yeah. wrong. Yeah, because <laughs> Wait, it is. You've been doing that for over 40 years now, pointing a finger yeah. at the intersection. Because it is very Proclaiming wrong. that it's wrong, yes. A little later tonight, uh, our friend Tom Appel, the publisher of Consumer Guide, will be joining us. He's coming right over from the auto show. He's been mm-hmm. uh, hanging out at the auto show, taking a look at some of the things that you might want to see on the final weekend for the auto show. The auto shows, they got by without a snowstorm. I know. Unheard of. One of the signs of the apocalypse. Yes, because it's always a requirement that you have President's Day holidays so every kid could come to the auto show and you have a blizzard so people can still go to the auto show. Yeah, and then there was Valentine's Day and there was Ash Wednesday, Mm -hmm. so there's a whole lot of things that uh, happened. And I always think of that great fuzz. Yeah, uh, the Mackinac Island fudge. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the name of it? I thought it had a different name. Well,. I don't know. Bob is here from engineering. Bob, you know everything. Sure. It's from Mackinac Island, right? right. Yeah. I can see the box. I can yeah, picture I can the too. box. The booth used to be, the last time I was there, the booth was right across. I sat there and stared at it for eight hours. <laughs> of course. And you, as good as that is, you get calories just from staring yeah, at it. Yeah, so I was like, I'm not touching it. I just, yeah, yeah. That was better than the days of Taste of Chicago where they used to put us next to the porta potties. Right. I'd well, much rather be near the... the they done that for years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, every time the door opened, you go, oh, it's 100 degrees out here. And <laughs> I would much rather be by the the, the big glass display of the different fudges for those of you just joining us uh bob is the keeper of the big plug that would be grandpa bob yes grandpa bob who has a five-month-old now who a five-month-old who's now becoming aware of the world around him yes yep those big eyes just kind of look around big dark eyes yeah oh he looks so serious this picture you sent me today i said that's his what's up face because he's looking like hey (laughs) i see people around me at least it wasn't a crying face i sent (laughs) you that last week so (laughs) i felt a little he was not a happy camper no no he didn't like grandpa he didn't like anybody i have a folder on my phone now it's the many faces of thorin <laughs> Which is kind of weird, I know, because I don't know the baby, but I know Bob, and I love the fact that he's a grandpa. Sounds like a so. soap opera. The Many Faces of Thorin. Yes. <laughs> Does he have a nickname yet? Are they calling him Thor or? Well, my daughter calls him Buggy. <laughs> of course. So Buggy Thorin, sure. Yeah, you know. All right, because I thought Ren would be a cute nickname yeah, for him. Yeah. But I guess it's you know with the big eyes. Yeah. Know. Oh, bug. Oh, of course. You know, so I got you. There's always a reason why. Yeah. And sometimes you don't want to know why you got a nickname. You're just like, okay, I'll yeah. live with it. Yep. Yeah, like stinky. You don't want to know why. Ron Brown's over in the newsroom. Hey, Ron. Hi. How are you guys tonight? Good, Ron. Good. Good. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing fine as usual. Did you have a nickname when you were growing up? I. Did but I don't want to tell anybody. Oh come on! <laughs> I don't want to We're tell all anybody. I didn't, I didn't here. like it. I didn't like it. So well, who likes a nickname? I was born with a. They gave me a nickname as my birth name. You know, I was like, okay, <laughs> what's your real name? I go, that's it. It's Johnny. <laughs> oh, that's kind of a nickname. No, and no. a boy's name. Can you give us a clue? Is it something that that you embarrassed you as a little kid? Well, it was meant to. So it was, it was my, oh. my my brother and my sister. They were not the nicest people in the family. So, <laughs> <laughs> but now you've got a radio show where you can proclaim that. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, it's, yeah. it's just no. It's, it it was not fun. Oh, so. I'm sorry. It's okay. Now, Steve, your brother was tall, but he was called Shorty. Yeah, my dad always called him Shorty, Shorty. for some reason. <laughs> 
And you, your grandmother's nickname was Steve. Yeah, which and, was and, interesting. And my dad said he had no idea where that came from. It's just one one day he started calling my grandmother Steve, and she was Steve. So, so when my dad would say Steve, my grandmother and I would, go, huh? <laughs> Of course, in my family, whenever my mother would yell at my dad, then I would respond, Johnny. I go, well, no, that's not the mom sound. That's not Johnny Gale. See, if it was that, Mm -hmm. then it was me. Otherwise, it was him. Behind the producer's desk is Julian. Julian. Did you have a nickname? I did. And also, first, I must say, my web browser is just loaded with fudge right now. So thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I know. And guess what? We have some crackers. That's all we have tonight. Okay, you're trying. You're you're changing the subject because you don't want to tell us what your nickname was. I mean, I, I, I can talk about it. It's not super embarrassing. When my brother was learning to talk, he could never say my name. Uh-huh. So for years, and to this day, as a nearly thirty-year-old man, I am known in my family as Jua. 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 That's kind of cool. That's kind of, yeah, Jua. I would have taken that. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been okay with that. Oh, I can't wait to find out off the air what yours was. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Not even then. It, 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 that reminds Jua. me of a Les Paul Mary Ford semi-hit record that was one of the only uh, ones they had that made the charts from Columbia Records. It was called Jura. I think it was J-U-R-A. Mm-hmm. What did that mean? I have no clue. Huh. The but fact we, that you know that, though, is, is scary. <laughs> yes. no, and, and can I just hold it's you? It's pretty cool. Let me stop right there and say, Steve, what did we have for, for lunch today? I retained wait, the wait, important wait. stuff. Where, uh, are you, where are your socks? Well, you keep moving them. <laughs> you do. I have so much time. You do. <laughs> my... my my reason for living is to move the silverware and move your socks and yes. underwear around. Yes. <laughs> I really it is. I don't. T- Every day there's I say, There's this hmm, evil side to, to you. I? And sometimes I put these socks where the silverware should be and the silverware where the socks yeah. should be. Yeah. yeah. Steve, what was on the flip side of Jua? Uh, ooh, uh, it was actually, it was Jura. Jura. Uh, and the flip side, um, oh, you know it. He's looking at the ceiling. No, not Big Eyed Gal. That was a different. I'm going to have to work on that. Wow. The fact that you were that close, though, it's just, it's incredible. But they were both on Columbia because Les and Mary didn't have a lot of hit records on Columbia. Mm-hmm. And and why did he tell us that he didn't have a lot of hit records when they went to Columbia? Well, actually, that, was an, interesting that, was, that was an interesting story because uh, by the time they went to Columbia, Les had already invented the what was that? Was small that a dog barking small dog in the background. Gabe, Gabe is fighting a respiratory infection. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm Poor sorry, Gabe. Gabe. Oh, oh, Gabe, I'm sorry. <laughs> it sounded like a chihuahua <laughs> in there. Well, it's been a long he's time. Fighting it. He's fighting it. <laughs> Uh, but, but Les said, by the time they went to Columbia Records, that he had already invented the eight-track tape player. Right. And he said, really, from the point that he invented the eight-track until he did the album with Chet Atkins, he didn't have any hit records. His theory was, before he invented the eight-track, when they were doing sound on sound, every single take 
they had to have the adrenaline because if you goof something up on the ninth take, you got to go back and record the whole thing. Mm-hmm. When he invented the eight track, you could do umpteen takes as many things as you want. He said you could be loosey goosey, and so, so he said you lost that performance adrenaline because yeah. you know you could go back and make the uh, the fourth track perfect. I think there was something to that too, yeah. mm-hmm. because when they were doing like Mary was singing multi parts. She would start with her harmony. She would start with the eight-part harmony yeah, and the, work back from that. The last thing she did would be her uh, her lead, lead vocal. vocal. And the last thing that Les would put on, it, it would be one of two things, either the lead guitar solo or the bass, mm. because he wanted the bass to stand out. And he wasn't using regular bass. He would tune the, uh, the E and the A strings on his guitar down mm-hmm. to bass notes, and that's how he did that. I was always fascinated by that theory that the technology actually changed their world and mm-hmm. not for the better. Yeah. Eventually it did. I mean everybody's world changed as yeah. a result of the technology and a lot of it was for the better but not in his case. Well, guess what we're going to bump back with after we take a break. Oh, okay. We'll take a break and be right back here on WGN. <laughs> Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. That's Les Paul and Mary Ford and Jura. I have no idea what it meant. No. It makes me want to roller skate. I feel like it should yeah. be, right, Bob? The, it's like that kind of music where everybody get up. That's what I was going to say. It's, Go it's, round it's, it's and round. Yeah, it seemed like a roller rink song. <laughs> yeah. You know, it kind of reminded me of uh, the theme from The Third Man, the Orson Welles, James Cotton movie. Oh. Yes. A lot like that. Yeah. And the flip side, Steve. Well, uh, Julian just found that, the, and this is why I didn't remember it. The flip side of it, it was it's been a long, long time, which I probably never paid any attention to because the only version of it's been a long, long time I ever really paid attention to was the one that Les did with Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. The original. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have a whole bunch of people listening from a bunch of states tonight. Uh, Texas is checking in. bunch of people in Indiana, three cities in Ohio, Georgia, uh, two cities in Pennsylvania. Kentucky is listening. Five cities, no, six cities in Florida, five cities in Wisconsin, South Dakota, and Vermont checking in tonight. And we will do our official shout-out later on tonight. So, Stacy. In Algonquin, relax. Wait a minute. <laughs> you can you can continue listening. Stacy in Algonquin. <laughs> Everything okay. is all right in your world. And we've got a lot of interesting people coming up tonight, so stay with us. Thank you, land of California, for my sweet home, Chicago. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. That's going back to the source. Uh-huh. That's where it all started. That's Robert Johnson, Sweet Home Chicago. Recorded, ooh, 20s? About, a, about 100 years ago. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So we're going to be talking about uh, Sweet Home Chicago. And, in fact, the last hundred years, there is a brand new book, a beautiful new book, entitled Memories of Growing Up in Chicago, Recalling Life During the 20th Century. And one of the authors of the book joins us now. His name is Neil Samors. Neil, how are you tonight? 
Good evening, Johnny, and good evening, Steve. Well, last time, I believe, the last time we saw your face was in the WGN studios, and you were joining us over the Tribune Tower with Clark Weber, right? I I remember it very clearly. Yes, because you you worked with Clark on his book. Yes, uh, I did. Along with something, isn't it like 30 other books that you've written about Chicago? Yes, the the new book is my 31st book. Wow. But who's counting? Wow. And they're all Chicago-centric. So, folks, you should know this man, Neil Samores. And by the way, I put a link to your book on our Facebook page so people can see the beautiful book. Neil, with all of the books that you have written, and as Johnny said, most of them are Chicago-centric in one way or another, what made you decide to do this book, Memories of Growing Up in Chicago, Recalling Life During the 20th Century. What, what made you decide this is what you wanted to zero in on? Uh, about two years ago, I sat down to try to write my autobiography for my granddaughter for my family. And since I have a photographic memory, I, I was able to sort of capture everything about growing up in Chicago. And then then I got together with my friends, uh, Tom O'Gorman and Christopher Lynch, and we started thinking about how about a book that would bring together many different memories about growing up in Chicago. And so we came up with the book, and I had done hundreds of interviews over the years in my other books, and I brought that all together so that the new book has about 50 interviews in there from people all across the city and suburbs all across the century. I suspect the hardest part about putting the book together was deciding what 50 people you would include in the book. You're very correct. Uh, I try to pick some of the most interesting people that I had met over the years, and the stories, when I went, went back and looked at the stories are fantastic, and you know we may have a chance to talk about some of those stories tonight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed your story. I'm glad you got to tell your story, too, because uh, the beginning of the book, you take your time and you really take us from your life uh, being born and raised in Chicago and being familiar with the north side and the south side. And, Neil, you, you know this, but Steve and I have, have been very proud about the fact that we've been able to be married for 40 years and we're a mixed marriage, south side guy, north side girl. <laughs> but I have converted her into being a Sox fan a in Sox spite fan. of the... Yeah. You, the way the socks have wait, been played. Wait a minute. She's got to be a Cub fan. I'm sorry. No, I no, 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 no. You know, the, the pandemic, I was weak. And after 155 <laughs> games in 2020, I went, okay, uncle, I'm there with you. I'm all about the black and white now. <laughs> well, my my, grand, my grandparents were Southsiders, and they were diehard Sox fans. Yeah. My father and I were diehard Cub fans. But they also exposed you to Sox games, because you you write about the fact that when you would go to games with your dad to the Sox games, people would recognize you there, too. Well, my my trouble when I wouldn't go to Sox games, I would sit there with my father and we'd we'd look at the scoreboard, and I would be staring and seeing what the Cubs were doing. (laughs) I was was very dangerous that way. (laughs) I want to go back to something you, you shared with us. Uh, that I don't know you had shared with us before, that you have a uh, photographic memory. Was that a help or a hindrance in doing this book? And the reason I ask that is because, on one hand, photographic memory, you remember everything. On the other hand, is it information overload? Did you have to edit your own memory Mm -hmm. to get the information into the book the way you wanted it? Well, to some degree, that's that's correct. But I try to sort of pick on the things that I thought 
my experiences, my life experiences, were shared with many other people. For example, my grandparents came to the United States in the 18, 1880s, 1890s from Russia, got married here, and so I could, that's how the book can, can say 20th century, because the book ends with uh, Chris Lynch talking about growing up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Mm-hmm. So we covered the century that way. Right, right. And, and in your case, too, um, uh, again, fascinating story about your, your grandparents and what they dealt with to be able to come to this country. And I'm sure that's something that your, your daughter appreciated and your granddaughter, having that history at their fingertips, but then also having it in a cool book. <laughs> it certainly helps, doesn't it? <laughs> well, very much so, and you're right. And, and I think everyone wants to tell their family about the family that came over here, how they came here. Mm-hmm. So Tom O'Gorman talks about Irish, his Irish history, mm-hmm. and, Chris, and Chris Lynch does too. And I can talk about, you know, the, the Jewish family that, that came over from, from Kiev. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just throw out some names. We're going to take a break. But, uh, folks, when we talk about Neil and uh, Christopher and Thomas uh, putting together this book, some of the names are... Um, well, uh, I think you know Rick Hogan from WGN Radio, and you know Bob Surratt and Walter Jacobson. There's Joe Montagna and Tom Dreesen, Shelley Berman, uh, Warner Norman Mark, who we both worked with. Yes, for Warner a long Saunders. Time. I mean, there's a great list. Gary, Gary Sinise. Sinise, a wonderful list of people. We're going to talk about some of those people that um, are written about, and they write about themselves in this book, Memories of Growing Up Chicago, Recalling Life During the 20th Century. Neil Samoser is our guest, and we'll be back right after this. When I used to swing On the south side of Chicago Steve King and Johnny Putnam at WGN Radio. We're talking with Neil Samos, uh one of the authors of a wonderful book, Memories of Growing Up in Chicago, Recalling Life During the 20th Centuries. And one of the many things I love about the book is that it's broken up into location, north side, right. south side. So, so let's stay with the south side for a couple minutes. And. Neil, we were both pleasantly surprised to see the essay by Norman Mark. We worked with Norman over WIND. Norman had quite a name here in Chicago as as a broadcaster and a reporter. So what's the story behind uh, the essay that you have about Norman growing up in Chatham? Well, let, me, let me clarify something for you. Mm-hmm. These are not essays. These are all interviews that I did with all these people. Of course, yes. Okay, but so so Norman Norman was fascinating because... Growing up on the far south side, he had wonderful stories about his life there, about playing at what he called the prairie, mm-hmm. as people talked about, you know, the, the empty lots, the fields near where people would play. Mm-hmm. And he went into great detail about, about how he grew up playing on the prairie in the, in the far south side. And that, l- let me also uh, explain a little more for people who may be n- new to this. Norman Mark... Uh, was involved in media in Chicago for a long time. He was a columnist with the Daily News for right. a while. He worked with us over at WIND. He did a TV show on Channel 32. In fact, when Norman was going to leave Chicago, he told me about the opening for hosting that TV mm-hmm. show, and that's how Johnny wound up producing, and I wound up hosting the TV show over on Channel Thirty Two. That's right. That's right. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, he was a he was a great interview, and I was on his radio show and TV show 
over the years, and so I got to know him quite well. What was that like on book number five, you know, 20, 26 books ago for you, Neil? <laughs> Something like that. I've lost, I've lost count. I bet, yes. Okay, some other broadcast people. I love the interview with Walter Jacobson. I probably had... I want to tell you something. It's interesting. Walter, in fact, called me after he got a copy of the book. Uh He told me how much he loved it. But Walter's Walter's nickname is Skippy. Yes. Yes. My my middle name officially is Skippy. What? Yes. And here's the other tie. In 1952, Walter Jacobson on his own, wrote, wrote to Philip Wrigley and talked to, asked about being the bat boy for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And he got the job there. 1952 was the first year I became a Cub fan. Wow. So and we are, we are tied that way. And <laughs> I had probably heard that he was a, the bat boy. Uh, but when you read his story and he talks about how he was apparently very good at it, but they only let you be bat boy for one season, but they still used him after his one year, right? They brought him back the second year so he would be a bat boy for the visiting team. And the only trouble was the visiting team decided to take a little short Walter and throw their uh, their various uh, athletic equipment at him. Yes. Staying with sports and, and staying with the, uh, uh, the south and southwest side, uh, Bill Gleason, who had a tie to this radio station yeah. for a long time, uh, that is one of the people that is featured in your book. How did that happen? Uh, again, I got I got to know Bill when I when I did the book on the on the '60s. Mm-hmm. Bill, I went to Bill's uh, house in in, in Oakbrook Oak and sat down with him. We probably spent an hour talking in great detail about him working downtown Chicago at the uh, one of the hotels, and then also about his World War II record. He he was very active in World War II and mm-hmm. and fought in Europe. So. He was a fascinating and wonderful person to talk to. One of the things that comes through in the book, and I think it is to to your credit, uh, the way you interviewed the, the participants, they are so enthusiastic. They're more than willing to talk about their experiences in Chicago. Was there anybody you had to, to kind of to warm up a little bit, or was everybody pretty much enthusiastic from the get-go? Well, you picked a great one. Uh, one of my... Most interesting interviews was with with the late and former governor James Thompson. Oh, and Thompson was fast. He got going slowly, but I got to tell you that the greatest quote of people would read when when the Pope came into town in 1979. Uh, governor Thompson was at O'Hare Airport to meet the Pope, and while he was standing there, he saw in the crowd the Alderman Vito Marzullo, who he oh, known yeah. over the years. Uh-huh. And, and he walked up to Vito and said, Vito, did you want to meet the Pope? And he said, I'm very much so. So he, he grabbed him by the arm, he pulled him onto the runway, out to the Pope, and he said, and here's the quote, Pope Vito, Vito Pope. <laughs> I love it. Picture that one. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just so perfect and so Chicago that it would be a Vito yeah, that, that, that he's is introducing quite a, him. That's quintessential Chicago. Chicago. Right. Well, Okay, other people that I was tickled to see interviewed in the book, Bob Surratt, 
Now, what's the story behind your interviewing Bob? Because just when you think you know a guy, and Bob has been in broadcasting for over 50 years, and that's television and radio, and of course, he's our morning man here at WGM. But as and, I, and I've known Bob since the beginning of his radio career. Right. We, we both uh, worked at uh, BBM-FM back in the early 70s, and, was, and there, there's a lot that I never knew about him that's I in know. the book. He was my teacher at Columbia College, and I'm reading, uh, I'm reading your interview with him, and I got tickled about Bob as a kid he just seemed like he might have been a little bit odd as a kid he so he well, hasn't changed at all thing he did he <laughs> loved rock and roll yeah back so back in the i guess in the 60s he would go down on saturday mornings when clark weber was on wls mm-hmm. and he would wait wait around the studio and just stand there and want, want him to talk to clark and he got to know want him to know him very well and and i got to know bob when i went on a uh, on it was called Chicago Tonight with Bob mm-hmm. Scott. Right. Sure. And we were sitting there, and I was talking about my book, Chicago in the 50s at the time. Mm-hmm. And we, he ended the interview. He said to me, Neil, so are you, you going to do Chicago in the 60s? And I said, since we're on TV, if you make a commitment to write the introduction and be interviewed for my book, I'll do it. Oh. I said, okay. Next morning, I called him up. He said, oh, you weren't kidding. I said, I'm not <laughs> And therefore, his, he, he wrote the introduction to my Chicago in the 60s book, yeah. and he's quoted and, and interviewed for that book. Yes. Was there anybody that you were a little intimidated by? And I'll tell you who specifically I'm thinking of. Uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton. Was that intimidating, or how did you approach oh, that? No, but it took me six months to get the interview. And when, so one day I got a call from Washington, and it was her her assistant. She said, "Hillary, I understand you want to interview Hillary for your book. Uh, she's coming off the center floor right now. Can you can you call back in five minutes, or we'll call you in five minutes?" And I said, "Fine." And then she called back and said, "Oh, it's terrible. She's got laryngitis. We won't be able to do this this time." Five minutes later, the <laughs> phone rings. Hold for Hillary. <sighs> Hillary came on the line, and we talked for a half an hour about growing up in Park Ridge. Mm-hmm. And she was wonderful. I mean, she was just very accommodating, and it was a fascinating interview that way. As familiar as you are with Chicago, was there anything that surprised you uh, in any of your conversations with any of the people that are in the book? Um. Well, it's, it's interesting because when you, the more I got to know about the neighborhoods and about people in Chicago, the more I realized that there are parallels to my life growing up in Rogers Park mm-hmm. that I thought was a Jewish community. Turns out Rogers Park was a very much even combination of Christian, Catholic, and Jewish residents. And, and I, I got to know, I became good friends with uh, Neil Hardigan. And Neil Hardigan has argued with me to this day. He said, Neil, to me... I didn't grow up in Rogers Park. I grew up in St. Jerome Parish. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. So we had, we had, because if you look at, the, look at these different neighborhoods, there were splits between black and white, Jewish mm-hmm. and Catholic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just all the neighborhoods have some kind of combination, which I find fascinating as I've gotten to know these people. Yeah. I was, because I grew up in Chicago in the 60s and 70s, and I grew up in Old Town in the 60s. When I read your interview with Rick Hogan, it was interesting because he's a few years older than me, so he remembered Old Town 
before it was the cool place to be. See, when I was there, it was a tourist attraction. Mm -hmm. You didn't move your car. You parked it on Friday afternoon when you got home from work, and you didn't move it all weekend because there was so much tourist traffic, you would not have a parking place to go into your own house. But Rick was old enough that he remembered it when it was kind of seedy before it became Mm -hmm. uh, the the, the hot place to visit if you were coming to Chicago. And I really found that fascinating, too. And, of course, Rick is here on Sunday nights, and I bet you met him when he interviewed you on his program, too, didn't you, Neil? I've been on on Rick's program now for over 20 years. Yeah. Starting with the first Rogers Park book that I did. Of course. And he's having on on his show every, every book that I've done. Well, can you stick around with us for a little bit? As long as you want. Thank All you. right. Thank you so much. Neil Samors is our guest, and his book is Memories of Growing Up in Chicago, Recalling Life During the 20th Century. It's a hardcover book. It's available these days. We've got a link on our Facebook page, so check it out and stay with us here on WGN. In the poet's parlor, I know I'm on a dead-end street in a city without a Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Lou Rawls, Dead End Streets. Hard to interrupt Lou Rawls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so cool. Gosh. Well, we, we decided as we were talking uh, about uh, growing up in Chicago, and the book is entitled Memories of Growing Up in Chicago, Recalling Life During the 20th Century. And we were talking to one of the authors, Neil Samors. Um, and Neil, there are no songs about the North Side we got to get somebody to write some, some songs about the North Side. The, the, the closest to a North Side song we could come was um, Lakeshore Drive. Aliota Haynes and Jeremiah. Yeah. And those, and those uh, the words from that song are, were listed and described in our book on, on the history of Lakeshore Drive. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because I, I had to smile as I was reading the, about the history of Lakeshore Drive, the S-curve. Yeah. Oh, man, I miss the S-curve every time we come around <laughs> Lakeshore Drive. And I think, and that was a huge undertaking when we lost that, right, Neil? Well, I didn't miss the S-curve in the sense that I would get car sick every time I'd sit there waiting for when the bridge would go up. At That's the right. Bless your heart. You'd get sick and your grandmother would be waiting with ice water for you to calm your tummy, <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Let me let me tell you something because of, of Lou Rawls, but one of the people I interviewed was Warner Saunders, you mm-hmm. mentioned before. Sure. Warner was great. And and again, for someone who grew up in a white, very much a white Jewish neighborhood, I had contact with African Americans, but not, not to that knowledge. And Warner spent a lot of time talking to me about what it meant to grow up black in Chicago and... And he, he grew up on, at 47th and South Parkway. The fascinating thing for Warner was that he lived, his apartment was right behind the Regal Theater. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that he used, to stand, they used to stand there with all his friends and watch all the great black stars, the, the singers, the performers who would perform at the Regal Theater. So he said it was like, like getting to meet all these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great story. I also love Jesse White's stories, too. Uh, yes. That was a great interview. And how did you come to interview Jesse White? Uh, again, a lot of these people. I would get other people would recommend them, and I knew a guy named uh, I know a guy named Jim Delisa, uh-huh. whose family owned Cafe uh, Club Delisa. Oh, sure. But, but Jim worked for Jesse at the Secretary of State's office, and he introduced me to Jesse. Came wonderful, and it was a great interview. And of course, I don't know if people know this, but Jesse Jesse was uh, in essence drafted by the Cubs. He was going to be a, a mm-hmm. chance to become. Mm-hmm. Chicago Cub baseball player and was going to the minor leagues, and then he decided to go into the uh, the Air Force, I guess, and then became a paratrooper. Mm-hmm. So I got to know him 
over a couple interviews. And, and he he taught for, for for decades, literally decades in Chicago, right? Absolutely, and he graduated from Waller High School. Mm-hmm. So he lived in, as he described it, Cabrini Green, and uh, it was a you know a tough kind of growing up. Sure, but but Jesse is a is a wonderful person. He really yeah. is. He's so generous. He's so giving, and. Uh, I, I feel honored, very honored to have interviewed him. And, of course, the Jesse White Tumblers. They, sure. How about all the hard work that he put into the Jesse White Tumblers for yeah. generations, too? Yeah, very much so, yes. One of the people that uh, uh, covers the North Side in your book is someone who has been a part of the fabric of Chicago and Chicago media for years, Robert Feeder. <laughs> Rob Feeder. <laughs> Yes. What was it like getting Robert to sit down? Because Robert doesn't like to do a lot of interviews. He's used to being on the other side of the interview. Uh, what was that like for you? Well, the, the good thing, I worked with a couple of other authors. We did two books called Real Chicago, and mm-hmm. these were based on photographs from the Sun-Times. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in the process, I got to know Rob very closely, and he was very helpful it was no no difficulty at all to interview him and talk about him growing up in Skokie. I had to chuckle though because for anybody in this business or any form of media, you know, on one hand you wanted your name to be in a Rob Feeder column, and on the other hand you weren't real keen about seeing your name in a Rob Feeder column. So it's kind of a love hate relationship, <laughs> particularly if what you were reading was before the station memo came out. <laughs> That's right. Before everybody you knew. You found out about your job that way. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So it was kind of nice. Lack of a job. Okay. It was nice to hear his side of the story growing up in Skokie. And one of the things I loved, um, whether it was somebody who grew up in the, the 40s, 50s, 60s, it seems like all the way up into the 80s, because that's, you cover those years in the book, we all had something, and we, ha- we all had a lot in common, north side and south side. We took public transportation. You know, I didn't learn to drive till I was 22 years old because I walked to the corner and got on the number 22 bus. I could go anywhere in the city. I did not need to drive a car. Mm-hmm. And so we, we would take the bus downtown, right, Neil? That was a big deal. Oh. You didn't have to have a parent with you. You went on your own as a kid. At, at, average, at average age, 9 and 10 years old, yes. growing up in those years, the middle of the, middle of the century, they'd all, the parents would say, go ahead, go downtown. And so we'd get on the bus or the L. And we'd go downtown, get off at, uh, at where, where the Marshall Field department store was, mm-hmm. and roam around downtown for the day mm-hmm. with a couple of dollars in our pocket. And that was a, a great experience. And if we weren't going downtown, we were going outside. You know, you'd get, you would go outside. You'd find a reason to be outside. And uh, we, you know, you had that neighbor that was the busybody, busybody in the neighborhood. I know we did on our block in Old Town and in Andersonville. But as I was reading the book, I realized that those neighbors were the ones that were looking out for us. So when you were outside playing, you knew that. You the Gladys okay. Kravitz was, yeah, was watching, watching out for out you. For you. <laughs> well, and, and the parents always felt that it's all right if uh, other neighbors sort of watched out for you mm-hmm. and, and told you not to behave that way and helped uh, a sense of neighborhood that way. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's all, all, doesn't matter what corner of the Chicago area you're talking about. When you, right. when you finished the book... What I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, because reading the book, 
I love the stories. I love the the feeling of the openness of being able to go here and there, and as Johnny said, just hop on the the, the bus, the train, whatever. Sadly, it's not the same, and that isn't a case of oh, when I was growing up, things were better. But on one level, yeah, yeah they were. They were better, and you felt a lot safer than people do sending their kids to downtown Chicago in 2024. Yeah, yeah. You're very correct, and the word is safer, because there's no way, I mean, my parents had no problem with me getting in or going going with my friends. We'd go to Wrigley Field and go to a doubleheader. Parents never even thought about it. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, my, when my daughter was growing up, we didn't want her to go down and get on the L and go downtown by herself. Mm-hmm. Those those years were over, so we were very. We always felt very lucky to grow up in the forties, fifties, and sixties. To tell you the truth, yeah. those are the those are glory the years for those of us who were born in the mid in the early to mid forties. And so it has changed tremendously. Even driving around, it's all changed. And so, yeah, uh, it's safer. What did your family say when the when the book was done? And, and, and here's where I'm going with this. Um, we've had a number of conversations with a lot of people who are who are trying to get their their parents, their grandparents to record some things so they can save them for grandkids for future generations. What did your family say when you finished this book, looking at what you wrote? Well, they actually loved it. And, and my granddaughter, who's now, she's now uh, 12 years old, but I used to, when we would babysit for her, she would always say, Grandpa, can you tell me some stories? Hmm. And I would tell her these kind of stories about growing up, and so I would relax her and let her fall asleep. And so my granddaughter absolutely loves history now, and she loves the stories about my life, her mother's life, the grand, great-grandparents, and it gives her a, a sense of connection. Absolutely. Well, yeah. con- congratulations. It's a wonderful book it for is. people who uh, like us who, who've grown up in Chicago. For people listening to us right now around the country, oh boy, will this give you a sense of what life was like growing up in Chicago. And Let me just say one thing about yeah. this book. I did something different here. This is the first book where I've done print-on-demand through Amazon, mm-hmm. which means anybody who wants the book can go to Amazon.com, and it is available in softcover and hardcover. And they can order the book through Amazon.com, and this has worked out very well for me and for, and, and for people to get the book. So That's and, awesome. And they will find that link on our Facebook page. Uh, go to Facebook.com slash Stephen Johnny Show, and you will find a link. And we're going to uh, put that on our blog and mm-hmm. uh, our other social media sites. And, Absolutely. And, and again, the quality is really, really good. In fact, sometime off the air, we need to pick your brains about this whole Amazon publishing business because that's fascinating. That's a whole other world because you've already done 30 books. This is number 31 for you. So that's kind of a cool thing that you're able to do that now on demand. Well, and the key thing is for me is that instead of having to raise thousands of dollars to go to a printer to, to to get books printed somewhere else, this doesn't. Amazon doesn't charge anything, and the author can go to Amazon and, and create a book and sell it on Amazon, and then get a royalty for books sold. And you don't have to store them or ship them or anything like that. They handle all that. Wow, 
Wow, wow, wow. We, we're working on our second book, so we may have yeah. to talk off the air. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, here, okay. Congratulations, though, on this book. It's beautiful, Neil. And uh, uh, it, it makes me very proud as I was reading the book. Yeah, you can talk about how oh things are not the same today, but it's nice to look back and realize how lucky we were. And that's really the feeling that I got reading the book. So thanks for that. Well, thank thank both of you for giving me the opportunity to talk about the book tonight. All right. It's always a pleasure, Neil. Take care, Neil. Thank you. And again, you can go to facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny show, and you will see we have a link to the book Memories of Growing Up in Chicago, Recalling Life During the 20th Century. It's a terrific book. We're going to take a break and come back, and uh, well, we're going to shout out to everybody. We're going to talk cars with Tom Appel tonight. We've got a whole lot of ground to cover here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio, and believe it or not, that is the same person who did To Sir With Love. Sounds That's like, Lulu. I, I thought at first it was Brenda Lee. There was a Brenda Lee-ness oh, to her yeah. voice. Yeah. But that's crazy. With my headphones on, I loved it. Yeah, it's time for our shout-out. A quick shout-out tonight. And we all know that Stacy in Algonquin is listening because she's the first one to sign in every week. Stacy in Algonquin. <laughs> Bonnie's in Butternut, Wisconsin. We just like to say Butternut, Wisconsin. Marge Richie's in Glendale Heights. Thank you, Marge, for the lovely Valentine. She never forgets a holiday. Thank you, thank you. Dean's in Indy. Donna Youngheim is in Oak Lawn. Bob and Sherry are... Um, in Arlington Heights, listening on their 1975 AM FM radio. And we're going to get back to that later on tonight. Uh, Sherry is in Morris at JP's in Peoria. Scott's in South Dakota. Greg is in Vermont. Uh, 773 area codes listening from Gallatin, Tennessee. Just got home from a Susie Bagas concert. Oh, cool. Yep. And uh, Jim Gajewski had a nice uh, text that he sent us from Aurora. Our great listener, Patricia Tantari, is tuned in. She's a number one fan. Helen Thomas is in K. Town Rita Ragey is in Fort Worth, Texas. Dr. Kryptosis will be listening on the podcast. Brian Lefevre's in Bridgeport. Thanks, Brian. Gene Jacobson's in Milwaukee. Jan Richardson's in Chicago. Chuck Snitchler, also the best friend of this radio station. He's mm-hmm. in Hobart, Indiana. Michelle Myers in Norwich. David Kaufman in Bloomington, Illinois. Mary Gold in Tinley Park. Uh, John Goodlow is uh, tuned in. He's one of our trucking buddies, hauling 40 tons of truck through the insanity of Chicago. Tom Fide is in Medina. Stephen Verheron is tuned in. Lester Clyden is another trucking buddy. He's in southeastern Ohio tonight. Linda Obrimsky is in Montgomery. Priscilla, Priscilla Gilbert Steg is tuned in in Joliet. Tracy Douglas in Savannah, Georgia. From Pennsylvania is Patricia Human. Brian Haw is tuned in from Kentucky. I think it's Haw or maybe it's Haig. Uh, Dale Horhertz is tuned in. He's been with us forever from Kent, Ohio. Or maybe he's in Solon, Ohio. Used to be in Kent. Uh, Robin Aikens in Port Charlotte, Florida. Peter Jakubowicz is in Cit- uh, Citrus County, Florida. Carrie Carlson is tuned in. She's waiting for Tom Appel. Bonnie Pearson in Gray's Lake. Sue Schimmel in Naples. And if I missed you, I apologize. But that's how we like to let you know that we appreciate your tuning in. And we have to give a shout-out, assuming she's still awake, to Randy, the super bagger from Jewel. Yes! Hey, Randy! Tom Appel and more is coming up, so stay with us at WGN Radio. 
Steve King and Johnny Putman of WGN Radio got a new car, but I'm as broke as I can be. <laughs> Works better with your mic on. Well, I've got my headphones on. I'm jamming to the music. <laughs> I have to laugh at the thought that three years you pay off your car. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. It's been a long time since we bought a car with three years, right? Mm. Isn't the norm like six or it's seven like, years? It's over 60 months now. Yeah. Yeah. So Boy, it's this a long is, time. I know. When they tell you that, you're like... Well, that's easy. And then you get up, you know, yeah. wait a minute, that's a long time. That other voice you're hearing, that would be Tom Appel. He is the publisher of Consumer Guide. And uh, you should check out consumerguide.com. And he's in the house tonight. Yes. Happy yes. belated birthday, oh, Thomas. Thank you. Yes. Happy to be here. Yes. Um, it, it's auto show week. So we lassoed him in here. You're going to be going to the auto show on Sunday, too. The I'm last going day. going tomorrow morning. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's today. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I'm, going today. <laughs> I'm going today morning. <laughs> today morning. <laughs> and, and as we said earlier, this has been one of the signs of the apocalypse, a Chicago auto show, and no snowstorm. No blizzard, no, no freezing cold weather. No. It's weird. It's just, but we had President's Day, which is always a must, so every child can go to the auto show at least one day of this week, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they hold it open for that last day. It does close early if people are going. Yeah. And they yeah. should go. That's true. Kids love it. You know, since, since you brought up the weather, I just have to ask. What? Uh, was the auto show going on during the 2011 blizzard? I can't remember offhand. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Oh, yes. That was interesting, too, because there was a decent crowd that came out to the auto yeah. show after the drive had been closed down for the oh, big... Wow. Yeah, remember, uh, Tom, that was the big uh, Groundhog Day blizzard in 2011, uh-huh. the one that Roger Badish was stranded on Lakeshore Drive along with a few thousand other people. In fact, Gabe, that that was one of the years that, that sort of started the tradition or continued the tradition of auto show, horrible blizzard. Yeah. It's going to be, you're going to have to fight to get there. <laughs> yes, but you'll get there, you know, on it. <laughs> in, you know, I'll never, I'll never forget, and I, to this day, I still tell people this, and I even told people this before then. When you get the bad storms in the summer, when you get the snowstorms in the winter, the worst place you could be is Lakeshore Drive. And I say yeah. this now, even though it's, yeah. even though we have clear skies, when a storm, when a bad storm comes, do not take Lakeshore Drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if you want to get to the auto show, you kind of have to. Yeah, fortunately. <laughs> right. <Yep. laughs> well, Tom, I never asked you, you grew up where? Northside? Yeah, Rogers North, Park. Roger, Rogers Park. Just, I didn't just until seventy three. Then we moved to Palatine. I didn't, and I that. never left Palatine. So you did not go <laughs> to high school well, then in Rogers. Where Park? Where did you no. live in Rogers Park? Uh, Albion and Ashland. So pretty close to uh, Saint Ignatius Church, and not all that far from Loyola. Okay, because no. when we first got married, we were right off Ridge and Pratt. Right. Oh, right. And earlier we were talking about Northside, Southside. You know, being a mixed marriage and all. <laughs> where you lived is about the place where Steve will always point and say, "You see, this Ashland Avenue is crazy. The way it crosses yeah. here, it's over on that side of Clark. Now it's on this side of Clark." Proving it was. <laughs> put together by a north sider let's see that's the south side talking <laughs> it is confusing <laughs> yes but i did not know that about you rogers park yeah and then i lived basically where ashland ended okay it just ends know it well <laughs> yeah boom it's gone well i, I want to start with uh, as we talk about the chicago auto show and this is the final weekend for the chicago auto show um noticeable by their absence Stellantis yeah. slash Chrysler, but also a rumor that Stellantis may merge with Renault. 
What's that all about? Interestingly, before there was Fiat Chrysler, there was some talk about about the the American you know Chrysler brands merging with Renault. That never happened. But Renault was a brand that was sort of artificially large for a long time because mm-hmm. they had entered that alliance with Nissan. Right. People may remember this. It was way back in 1999. And the alliance was interesting because Nissan was in a very bad way at the time, and its stock was incredibly depressed. And Renault bought a lot of Nissan stock mm-hmm. really cheap. So the, the relationship was really off balance. And, and Renault had a 40% stake in Nissan. Nissan had a 20% stake in Renault, even though Nissan was the bigger company. Anyway, that seemed to come into play when Chrysler was looking for help after the, the, the disaster, uh, the, the, uh, the bankruptcy disasters. But ultimately, they were forced into the hands of Fiat. So that became Fiat Chrysler. Right. But the Renault thing was interesting just because it seems like this, renew, this, this rumor, and no one seems to know exactly where it started, might have been started by the French government itself. Because... <laughs> The French government owns a stake in Renault, and it owns a stake in Stellantis. Okay, oh. and it might want it's just its children to play nicer. Okay, but that's probably a bad idea because they might consolidate and have fewer factories and maybe less jobs. It mm-hmm. seems like something the government might not actually want to push for, but it's not going to happen. Stellantis is a huge company, mm-hmm. uh, like two hundred billion dollars last year, and Renault's a relatively small car company, mm-hmm. about fifty billion last year. I didn't year. even know so, they were still around. Yeah, yeah, Renault does most of his business in Western Europe and most of that business in France. Okay. There's only three brands. It's it's, it's just Renault, uh, a, budget, a budget brand that used to be uh, an Eastern Bloc company called Dasha, and then a little sports car company called Alpine. There's not a lot to Renault. There's a whole lot to Stellantis. There's 14 hmm. brands. And Renault has never had a big presence in the United States. No, they tried. Uh, I was talking to someone recently who had owned a Renault Fuego, and people might remember oh. when Renault was busy messing up AMC, yes. American Motors, oh. and, yeah, and we were getting French cars for a little while. Yeah. A little while. Well, <laughs> well let me stay with uh, Stellantis slash Chrysler for a while. Uh, Chrysler did this big thing where, oh, you're going to want to watch our website on the 13th because we're going to show you where Chrysler's going and Stellantis is going. And they unveiled this what looks like kind of a design study for Mm -hmm. a possible future electric Chrysler vehicle. Uh, How close to really happening is that or is this just a we want to keep our name out there and we want to keep you aware of chrysler what's going on with that um yes <laughs> okay <laughs> yes uh, I, the, the halcyon design concept is just that it's supposed to be an electric vehicle it's something like a sedan it's very sporty it is a four-seater uh it's not in any way a realistic proposal because there's no place for a battery in the design but it's very future looking a lot of glass very open cockpit a lot of very modern designs but uh ultimately what's interesting about the announcement is that the announcement came during the run of the chicago auto show Mm -hmm. as if they wanted to make some news Mm -hmm. but they weren't going to pony up for for space at mccormick place so they made some news and they've got this interesting concept out there but it's just a design study there's nothing practical about it i feel like there's a a lot of talk about nothing going on yeah i mean that's well, you would think that that would have a big impact on the industry if if something like that happens. I, I don't. Am I the only one who doesn't understand Stellantis marketing right now? They're not at the Chicago Auto Show. They're, they're not doing mm-hmm. shows. They advertise during the Super Bowl. Yeah, a lot of Jeep ads. 
Uh, what the, I don't get, what the, are they here? Are they not here? What, what's going on? They don't have a lot of product on the ground right now, so it's a really weird time for them. They've killed off a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of stuff coming, but right now, just empty showrooms for Stellantis. So three Jeep products are gone, the Compass, uh, the Renegade, and the Cherokee. The Cherokee used to be made up in uh-huh. uh, in Belvedere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those three but products are gone. But isn't that coming back? Wasn't there a, a... Something's coming back, yeah. It's probably yeah. not going to be called Cherokee. But yeah, there's a product coming back to that probably an ev mm-hmm. up to belvedere uh and then ram i'm not not ram i'm sorry but dodge it's muscle cars it's mm-hmm. all heavy powered cars are gone so we're between the old gasoline powered cars and the electric cars that are coming uh-huh. and that used to be part of the fun and there's none of those there to show so and and, and stellantis is, is claiming to have been hurt badly by the strike financially mm-hmm. so they didn't want to be there anyway uh but i heard a number and i've been looking around i can't get any confirmation that stellantis's u.s auto show budget was 60 bill or 60 million dollars a year so a fairly substantial amount of wow. money because they had the four brands to show. Yeah. And if they brought them, they still had Maserati and, and Alfa Romeo, two additional brands but, that they would kind of squeeze into that right. floor space. But not a lot of product on the ground right now. Uh, next year, I have, I have someone's tacit admission that they'll be back next year. Mm-hmm. And I hope that's true. Wow. Uh, let me just take you from the serious to the sublime, <laughs> or at least in my world it is. I did not know with a Jeep that you're supposed to have a rubber duck. I don't know what that's about. I don't either. It's a fairly recent thing. And and they started doing it, I think, at the Detroit Auto Show last year. Well, a friend of mine was on Facebook today complaining because he ordered his rubber ducks and they were so small. And I went... (laughs) what am i missing here and then somebody said what are we missing here jim and he went on to say oh well you're supposed to have a rubber duck and you put it on another jeep when you see another jeep and and i'm like see i I hear rubber duck and i think sesame street well it's it's supposed to be duck duck jeep there's some little saying that they say and and I, i i'll have to show you the the friend's facebook post where he was so incensed that his ducks were small and i thought are we talking code, or does he mean literally he got some rubber ducks in the mail from Amazon, and they're real tiny? <laughs> As I said, I'm taking you to the, the silly from the serious. <laughs> this has that, that artificial, artificial grassroots feel to it. Like the <laughs> That's right. He's trying to stoke this. Because there used to be this thing where Jeep owners, back when they really just were CJ7s and CJ5s, right. mm-hmm. and everyone would wave and flash their headlights yes, at everybody. Yes. And Saab owners did that, too. And that was completely natural, right? <laughs> These people knew each other. And if you owned a Jeep, you were kind of crazy because they weren't great in foul weather. <laughs> Right, they were canvas topped, and, and right. they didn't heat open well. doors. And, and, and if you went to Sabi, you were just a weirdo. So <laughs> there, there was a community to this, and I don't know that rubber ducks really uh, are a good substitute for a genuine community. That, that, are you thinking of the same Sab story? Yes. That, <laughs> Go ahead. The Sab story. Friends of ours in Florida had the only Sab that we ever saw in Bay County, Florida. It was a great car. They couldn't give it away. They had to drive it to Atlanta to sell it because everybody went, ooh, I don't know. That's a weird car. They were literally going to get about a third of the value if they sold it in Florida. And they bought it. They drive to Atlanta and they... Bought it in Park Ridge where they lived. Right, retired to Florida, and people would they would walk out of, of Publix, and people would be standing around looking at it in the parking lot. It's like, ooh, a sob. <laughs> they, were, they were weird cars. Well, yeah, 
not Aztec weird, but weird. <laughs> well, they were they were two cycle engines for a while. If you go back far enough, which was really strange, you had to add oil to the gas. What? Which was a thing American shoppers don't want to do, right? Consumers don't want to be weird about two cycle engines. <laughs> they never told us that part of the story. Well, when it we thought about how old. buying you gotta it. Go, yeah. You got to go back pretty far, but <laughs> your sob is like a lawn boy. <laughs> Tom Appel is our guest. We're talking cars. Stay with us here on WGN. Then I won't have to worry about that broken down ragged boy. Just a little more to see what kind of a car does he want. Well, mister, I want a yellow convertible. Faux Deville. With a continental spare. And a wide chrome wheel. I want power steering and power brakes. I want a powerful motor with a jet offtake. I want air condition. I want automatic heat. I want a full Murphy bed in my back seat. I want shortwave radio. I want TV and a phone. You know I gotta talk to my baby when I'm riding alone. I'm going to get that car. Doesn't ask for much, does he? A TV and a phone. But more importantly, a shortwave radio. Yeah. That's some vintage Chuck Berry from uh, his first album, uh, After School Session. That's called No Money Down. My goodness. So that's that's like 60-plus years old. Yeah, and your point is? He's talking about a TV and a phone in his car. Yeah, but that's Chuck Berry. Cool dude. (laughs) So Tom Appel is with us, and you should check out Tom's website, uh, consumerguide.com I have to ask you yeah Tesla rust what <laughs> what's that did, all did you about? see that coming no no if no that's not that wasn't on my bingo card um, it's not the craziest thing in the world if we go way back way way back to the DeLorean the mm-hmm. DMC 12 which was stainless steel there were lots of troubles with the finish on that car it showed fingerprints that wouldn't scrub off. Acid rain would constantly stain it. It was a terrible finish for a car. And it was a brushed finish, kind of like what's on the Tesla uh, Cybertruck. And what the issue is is not yet clear, but the most popular theory at this point is that it's just metal dust from manufacturing. So it could be wow. very small pieces of steel or, or iron that got in there during the manufacturing process, and they're in the grain of the stainless huh. steel, and that's what's rusting. Okay. On the subject of Tesla and odd stories, let me lay this one on you. They're recalling 2.2 million Model S, Model X, Model 3, Model Y in Cybertruck vehicles because of an incorrect font size, a font size that's too small on the dash. That's every vehicle. <laughs> that's every vehicle. And apparently the font size is uh, is on the small font size is on the brake, park, and analog brake warning lights. They're too small. They feel that it's a safety hazard because in an emergency, you need to be able to see those lights. And so they're recalling them to change the font size. I believe this will probably be an over-the-air update, which we call a recall. Yeah. But because it's entirely touchscreen, 
touchscreen mm-hmm. or, or, yeah. or, or yeah. touchscreen, uh, they probably won't have to do anything but just change the software a little bit. Well, that's good news. Yeah, because that would be ridiculous. And I'm not picking on them. I just thought that was a, like the yeah. craziest thing. What an interesting thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, the font size. That, let, let me hold you for a second on over-the-air update. Uh, as you know, we recently uh, got a new vehicle. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not an EV. And, uh, oh, every so often we get this notification, okay, you need an update. And we've seen in various Facebook groups people complaining about, oh, boy, this is horrible. How do you get it done? Changes everything. Literally every single time we've had an update, pull into our driveway, hit the update, sit there for about 15 minutes, over the air, it's done, and not a problem. Oh, honey, you better knock on wood. Yeah. (laughs) Please. But. Uh, but my 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 main question is, for anyone going for a new car, EV or not, should they expect to have to do over-the-air updates? Is that going to be part and parcel of the automotive industry now? It will be. Yeah, eventually. every I think every new vehicle, every new generation of a vehicle moving forward will be able to accept over-the-air updates. You will be that connected to the manufacturer. And the updates that you guys are probably seeing in a relatively new and high-tech vehicle um, are probably things that would never get done otherwise. Mm-hmm. Little software updates that might smoothen a mm-hmm. shift. Little things that might tweak you know, the engine control for slightly better fuel economy. Tiny little things that ultimately make your vehicle better, mm-hmm. but they would, never, they would never do a recall for them. But one other thing that we found, there was one of these updates that we were concerned with. We contacted the dealer and said, okay, you're going to uh, bring the car in. You're going to have to leave it for the whole day. We'll do it. We did a little more research, found out, okay, let's try and do this ourselves. Again, did it in our driveway. 15 minutes, done. <laughs> so, But we're finding that people who are complaining in these Facebook groups, they, they're not patient. Yeah. Well, I hit the button and it wasn't done. I wanted to be done. I, you mean I'm supposed to sit in my driveway for 15 minutes while my radio was updating? I, I, that's ridiculous. Now, the, here, here is my mindset. You tell me how correct or incorrect I am. I'm now driving a computer on wheels. I need to think of this as a computer, and uh, it's going to get updates and stuff like that, and treat it that way yeah i mean we actually now call it the industry now calls it the software defined vehicle and we are moving to vehicles that are 100 percent software driven so that every system on a car can be updated and checked and and, and rebooted as it as necessary and and, and it's going to be bad to the extent that manufacturers will use these opportunities to update the car in ways they wouldn't have bothered to do before mm. so that's a bit of a nuisance to the user but the user should benefit ultimately from that uh, the good news is there's a lot of things that you might have had to take your car to the dealer and you remember when things used to get flashed mm-hmm. oh, yeah. like they had to update your car so there was a flash memory thing mm-hmm. yeah that will never have to happen again that's that's what will happen over the air we got a lot of ground to cover with Tom Appel. So stay with us, and we're talking cars here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio, New Car Blues. Have you got the New Car Blues? We got the man to chase those New Car Blues, Tom Appel. <laughs> He's the publisher of Consumer Guide. And you can check out consumerguide.com. You can also follow him on Twitter. Yeah. Slash X. And car I, underscore Guy Tom. That's me. Yep. I need to establish that the music tonight would not be Tom's tunes. 
we decided since he was in studio, we didn't want to overwork him and ask him to pick music. But in fact, he had picked music, so that will be the music the next time he joins yeah, us. So two we, weeks. we have a theme tonight. It's blues car songs. Good theme. Mm-hmm. It just kind of it kind of happened that way. I, it did. I was just looking around for interesting things, and these kind of fell up. What is the one coming up next? Let me see. Oh yeah. Now, this Billy yeah. King that we just heard, that he was kind of a find. Yeah. We stumbled across him, and that, then we fell down the rabbit hole and started listening to Billy King. Whoever Billy is, he's good. In fact, there's a whole um, introduction he does to that yeah. song. Yeah, all about trying to get the, his car started. Yeah. <laughs> should <laughs> right. we play that sometime? We should, yeah. Okay. Uh, Tom Appel is with us in studio. Speaking of new cars, Tom, what is your take on the Subaru Forester? Oh, I like the Forester. I do too. Yeah, I've always liked guide it. Best Buy. Yeah, it is. It is uh, Subaru's compact crossover. Subaru does some weird things with crossovers where you have the Outback and the Forester, and they kind of serve the same purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think the people who go into a Subaru dealer, mm-hmm. I think half of them are distracted by the other vehicle, and, <laughs> and it's fine because they're both they both accomplish the same thing. The for the, the, the Outback's just a little bit more upscale, mm-hmm. but the, the Outback is really more of a station wagon. The Forester is really more of a compact crossover, but they have about the same space. Mm-hmm. They have about the same power if you go with the base engines, and they're both really great cars, and they're outstanding in the snow. And similar price, Outback and Outback's probably about two grand more. Okay. Yeah, it's a little bit more luxurious, and you can get a turbo on that if you go up to the top trim levels. Mm-hmm. Subaru gets my award for the best automotive commercial. Yes, <laughs> the commercials they've done about uh, there's the one where there's the accident and the and the, the mom is saying, "I never uh, realized how much I loved my Subaru until my family survived." And, you know, the husband and the kid are walking away from the wrecked vehicle, and she sees them coming, like, whoa, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, the predecessor to that commercial, do you remember the They Lived commercial? Oh, it was probably a generation yeah. before that, but yeah. it started the same place at a crash scene. Yeah. Oh, yes. And the chain of custody of the vehicle yes. being moved, I think, to the junkyard. Yeah. At every point, the person handing off the car to another truck driver or something said they lived. Yeah. To, to the oh, yeah. I got goosebumps. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, a good commercial. That is good. It's You're well right. lit and well directed. Well, you mentioned the Subaru was a Best Buy, Consumer Guide Best Buy. Can we talk a little bit about your yeah. awards for those vehicles? Because yeah. you got the 2024 Best Buy Awards from Consumer Guide. And where, sh- where should we start? Which vehicles do you want to start with? You know, we can talk compact crossover is good, large or, or mid-sized crossover is an interesting group. Okay, because they're really subcompact. Yep. Yeah, and. We break things down into seventeen categories. Okay. That we try to get the whole, the whole, the whole scheme of, of cars that you can buy in America. There's about three hundred and forty models. We pick about forty one mm-hmm. uh, to try to narrow that down for people. And if you shop in the categories that we think you're shopping in, you're probably looking at five, six, seven cars. Do you know off the top of your head how many cars Consumer Guide road tested last year, twenty twenty three? Two hundred ish. Really? Yeah, one hundred and fifty to two hundred, something like that. That's a lot of driving. Yeah. Because you have to drive it to be able to, to to test it and review it. Yeah, one of the rules is it can't be a Best Buy until we get one through the office. Okay. So that's, so that's a rule. But oh. we know what we want to see. Like if we go to something like we have the, the Midwest Automotive Media Association Spring Rally, mm-hmm. what a great place to start to get an oh, idea yeah. of what's going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. So that's a great thing. All right. So let's start with those uh, compact. Or the subcompact mid- crossover? Oh, we can go mid-sized crossover, which is a great group. Let's, a, let's okay. do that. All, All right. right. So we've got the Hood and a Palisade, 
the Kia Telluride and the Toyota Highlander. Now, the, the Palisade and the Telluride, fundamentally the same vehicle. They are technically the same. Hyundai and Kia, same parent company, but in the U.S., they are fierce competitors. So mm-hmm. they work with more or less the same product, give them different designs, different chassis tuning, different pricing, and different, uh, uh, different equipment. But ultimately, they're basically the same vehicles. And those are two really outstanding three-row crossovers yeah they are good looking they're refined are three are three row vehicles really that popular yeah actually three row seems to be displacing two row in the i think you're the hated child though if you draw the straw and you have to sit in that third row (laughs) i'm sorry yeah i I, I have a great story about that. really a great story when um the nissan pathfinder was redesigned a couple of years ago and at the same time the infinity qx60 which is fundamentally the same vehicle Infinity is just mm-hmm. Nissan's luxury mm-hmm. was redesigned along with it. They're practically the same vehicle, except that the QX60 is nicer. Okay. Nicer stuff, quieter, more sound insulation. But I was talking to the guy who was pitching the QX60 at an event, and I mentioned the Pathfinder. He goes, oh, the P word. And he, goes, <laughs> he was all upset that I would reference the Pathfinder. And he showed me one of the primary differences between the two vehicles. And you're going to love this. The third row in the Pathfinder seats three but in the qx60 because it's a luxury vehicle it seats two in either case you're doing cruel things to, to yes. two or three people mm-hmm. it's a very small <laughs> but yeah this was this is a, a key feature oh, wow it was the accommodations for two instead of three i don't know why i just flashed on you can take a hot tub down the chicago river yeah and you have to be weighed before you get to take the. Now, you're paying them hundreds of dollars for this experience, but they're going to weigh your group to be sure that you're not over 800 pounds. And I'm like, I'm not paying somebody for that humiliation. No. 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 Also, I can't go with that many people then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I want to hold you. Uh, we're talking midsize uh, crossover, and you mentioned the uh, uh, Hyundai Palisade and the Kia Telluride. Yeah. Uh, Auto show question. Hyundai, Kia, both at auto show. Why no Genesis? What was the corporate thinking of that? I don't know. Um, that's very interesting. Genesis is more independent now than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. So they're probably spending their money differently. I've been following Genesis marketing a lot because uh, the woman who is now the head of marketing for Genesis is someone who used to work right. in the Chicago area, uh, Wendy Orthman, and she's a, she's a brilliant marketing person. But they've been doing very different things with Genesis. They launch things at female-oriented magazine and fashion mm-hmm. things, and, and, and they've been steering away from traditional venues. Mm-hmm. Didn't, they, didn't Genesis just open up their first Chicago area standalone dealership I want to say in North Aurora I don't know it might be the first with the new like design yeah from I the think. ground up yeah. yeah there was a lot of the launch of Genesis was badly botched mm-hmm. they, they, they there was some confusion about whether or not they needed to be standalone dealers or not mm-hmm. yeah. and then there was once there were some standalone dealers they decided that one of the products the old G90 could only be sold through standalone dealers which was really weird, but the other Genesis product could be sold through all Hyundai dealers. Mm-hmm. And it just it was very confusing mm-hmm. and dealers were frustrated and and, and, and then they, they went back on some of the, the franchise agreements. So they're only really hitting their stride right now. The product lineup is really good yeah. and the new stores are really good looking. Uh, and I think they're new where they need to be. But they've got like five products right now that are super strong. Mm. It's a good brand. Should I mention right now there's 90,000 Genesis Genesis genocide that are being <laughs> that are being recalled. But the, as uh, I believe the recall is for 
prior years? Well, you got the Hyundai Genesis back when it was actually a Hyundai, right. not a standalone Genesis. That was the 2015 and 2016. The Genesis G90 from 2017 to 2019. The G80 from 17 to 19. And the G70 2019. And they're just suggesting that you not park the vehicle in your garage for fear mm-hmm. of, of spontaneous combustion, I guess. And, and the first recall I've ever heard for the starter solenoid. I, I, I know it was bad on my dad's 70 Nova. I didn't know that they were still a thing. So. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yes, the starter solenoid, yeah. apparently it can get hot. But if you have one of those vehicles, it's an older Genesis, going yeah. all the way back to when it was Hyundai, uh, you will be getting notification to not park your car in the garage for fear of fire also we have talked about this before that we, we know about the recall now but official notification not until april i know yeah i that, that kind of makes me crazy her yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah i i don't understand because you're talking you know safety months difference we know about the recall but you're not going to officially say yeah there's a recall yeah. Your seatbelt might not hold you in place, and yeah. in three months you can bring it in. It's interesting. Well, they, they, this isn't just genocide. This no. is the industry. Yeah. And I mean, part of it is that they have to have the parts in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and this is a part replacement. That's what the recall is going to be, and it's probably not going to take very long. But I guess they have to have the parts in place. They have to have the schedule set up. They have to have all the logistics set up. But it seems like it takes a long time. Yeah. I know every time we have one of the recalls, I go, what? Really? Because it just... Well, hopefully you can park your car outside and just wait until you get the call to bring it in sometime yeah. in April. We're going to start doing a regular feature when Tom is with us yeah. once a month where we talk about what vehicles are being recalled and tell you how to take your VIN number. Remember the old days when we used to take VIN numbers and yeah. you do the, the car history for us? Those that were was, fun. That was fun. I've got to figure out how to get back into a relationship with them. Yes. I, think I bet my old password still works. I bet you no one ever checked. <laughs> Try it. I could probably still do that. Okay. okay. <laughs> we'll take a break, then uh, more car stuff coming up. Stay with us at WGN. Happy with your handsome drive at the wheel in your brand new automobile. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. That's a little bit of uh, Lightning Hopkins. I was going to guess that. Yeah, and you would have been correct. He did a lot of car songs too. We found. Yeah. Yeah, poor man probably made it, never made enough money to buy himself a new car. That's why he was singing the blues. We're talking cars with uh, Tom Appel, the publisher of Consumer Guide. And we're going through uh, a little bit of the uh, Consumer Guide best buys for 2024. Where do you want to uh, move next? Um, subcompact crossover. How's that? Okay. This is a great group because subcompact cars have disappeared from the U.S. landscape. People don't buy small cars anymore. The Kia Rio, the Hyundai Accent mm-hmm. have been discontinued. The domestic makers don't make any small cars anymore at all. So these are the new small cars, the small crossovers. And these are the last vehicles really available under $25,000 anymore. Mm. And they are? We have the Nissan Kicks. We have the Hyundai Venue. 
the the Kia Soul, and the Subaru Crosstrek. And of those, we, though we call them crossovers, the only one available with all-wheel drive is the Crosstrek. Mm-hmm. So if you're really looking for a true crossover crossover with all-wheel drive, you've got to go with the Crosstrek. But if you're just looking for the utility, mm-hmm. the other three vehicles make outstanding use of space, have all the tech that young young car buyers looking for a first new car would want uh and and they're shockingly affordable mm-hmm. like there's just a lot of car there for around twenty two thousand dollars and if i was buying one of these vehicles based on the way i pick horses at the racetrack <laughs> i would go with kicks because i think that's the cutest name for a, a car it's a good name and yeah. and, and the spunkiness of the car kind of comes spunky through. yeah oh it's good a spunky car. <laughs> Uh, it's spunky too in that it's not the quietest car in the whole world but okay at this, pri- at this price point you're not going to get quiet you are going to get a nice ride uh-huh. and a nice open area interior not the nice interior you know materials mm-hmm. it looks a little bit budget but good use of space decent power outstanding fuel economy hmm. so there's fuel a lot economy of about what oh uh, you'll break 30 okay Ooh, yeah th- okay. low 30s 31 30 right around mm-hmm. there and price point uh starts around 22 Oh, which good. is wonderful yeah, yeah yeah and you can you can load it up uh the top trim total the sr probably about 25 26 mm-hmm. and list, they're, they're uh, frequently discounted too a listener asked if we could jump ahead to the suvs big suvs yeah okay so what what were the best buys in that department right now the only best buy we have is the ford expedition mm-hmm. in the standard in the non-premium group and part of the reason for that is the general motors big rigs the uh the uh the Yukon, mm-hmm. the Suburban, the Tahoe, and the Escalade are all being updated. Now, Escalade's getting an update later. We did include that on the list. That is a Best Buy. But the big GMs are going to be updated. They're really good vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine how they would make them not good. <laughs> so they will probably yeah. be Best Buys. Yeah. Uh, but that whole category is actually pretty great. The thing to avoid, I think, if you don't test drive it, uh, the, Ford, the Toyota has a new Sequoia in that group and okay. it's good but it, the, the third row is not very good and the cargo area isn't especially big so that's a problem hmm. and then there's uh there's a nissan and infinity version the nissan um i'm forgetting the name of it but the, the infinity is the qx80 mm-hmm. and those vehicles are really vehicles from other markets that have been repurposed for the u.s market oh. not good use of space <laughs> and a little bit overpriced and the v8's incredibly thirsty Wow. Were you talking like under 20 miles to the gallon? Oh, way under. Really? Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm thinking that the lister is looking for <laughs> largely go, really? That's it, Tom? There isn't that many vehicles in that yeah. class. It's actually a pretty small class, and General Motors makes half of them. But if you want to bump up to luxury, now you're talking... Well, there's the Lincoln Navigator. Yeah. Which is a but great But you're talking vehicle. a whole lot more money, too. It's, it is shocking how much these cost. Yeah. And that's just what they cost. Like, right? if because there's the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer, too, from Jeep. Right. But all these vehicles get very close to 100. Yeah. And will hit 120 if you let them. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on how you option... Six wow. figures is is uh, yeah. very possible. The the only good news there is that the resale value of these vehicles is super strong. So if you want to get out, you're not going to get burned. You just got to come up with the money up front. Yeah. You're paying for it for the next 10 years, and then you <laughs> want to get out of it. <laughs> A listener says, hey, I love my Saab. We love Saabs, too. We were just talking about how they were underappreciated in certain parts of the country. <laughs> My wife and I owned a Saab. It was a 91, 9,000 mm-hmm. CD. One of the nicest cars we ever owned. Uh, problematic, but what a great car. Lister wants to know, where's the Camry in all of this? Camry's a great car, and it's still out there. Actually, interesting thing about the Camry for 2024, it is the last midsize car available with a V6. The hmm. last? Yeah. Really? And, and Toyota's V6, that, that 3.5 liter, is a honey. 
It is so smooth. Huh. But yeah, manufacturers are getting away from V6 engines. They're going to turbocharged fours, and, and the V6 is just going away. But it's Camry still has one. It's going to go away next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, for 2025, the Camry's going all hybrid mm. across the line. So that, that goodbye V6. But isn't Toyota sort of ahead of the curve when it comes to hybrids? So far ahead of the curve. You keep hearing this. There's these very strange statistics, and you hear a lot of things about how people don't want electric cars, and we're buying more hybrid cars. Mm-hmm. Well, part of the reason we're buying more hybrid cars is that almost every Toyota is available as a hybrid. Mm-hmm. So there's this old saying that supply creates its own demand. But there's this other interesting thing where European makers now are selling a lot of vehicles with mild hybrids. Mm-hmm. So it's a traditional six-cylinder engine, but a mild hybrid to help with fuel economy and to launch from, from low speeds. And they don't even advertise those as hybrids. It's just part of the drivetrain. Uh, in most cases, it's so smooth you don't notice it, but those are being counted as hybrids as well. So whether or not there's demand for hybrids or if that's just sort of a thing people are buying because they're looking at the car and it happens to be hybrid, is hard to say. Aren't some of the other manufacturers kind of backing off of all EV and saying, well, no, we're going to segue into this hybrid thing for a while? Yeah, and, and the language they're using is very careful. Like Mary Barra over at General Motors mm-hmm. is like, we're still fully committed to going electric, but we're looking at hybrids too. Yeah. <laughs> and General Motors hasn't built a hybrid vehicle in a very long time, uh, but they're going to be bringing it back. Uh, I think it's a hybrid version of the Equinox or the Blazer, but we'll be seeing some hybrids coming into that lineup. But everyone's kind of pushing back the EV thing. And part of that's that the, the, the right now it's really hard to buy an EV. The tax credits mm-hmm. are very limited. Um, interest rates are very high, and EVs still cost more. And, and there's, there's some other weirdness going on there, too, with um, leasing. If you want to get the full tax credit, you can lease a hybrid vehicle and, and work your way around all the rules. But the problem is no one wants to lease a high, an electric vehicle right now because no one knows how to, to, to pinpoint a resale value mm-hmm. for oh. the lease. So you could lease an, you could theoretically lease a, an electric vehicle, but you might have a hard time getting someone to underwrite that lease. Wow. So there's a whole lot of, forgive me, but ignorance when it comes to buying EV, using it, yeah. selling it. Yeah, selling an EV. Consumers shouldn't have to think this hard up Yes, front. thank and you. And right now they have to. Yes. And I think that's very off-putting. That's a good, very good point. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I put a link up on our Facebook page to the Consumer Guide uh, 2024 mm-hmm. Best Buys. And um, a listener was asking, let me get this straight here. You mentioned it's a car I'd never heard of, Tom. Oh. Yeah, I... Which one? A Crown. The Crown. Oh, yeah, the Toyota Crown. Yeah. The Toyota Crown is a largish... It looks like a sedan, but it's got a very fastback thing going on. But it basically replaced the Avalon in Toyota's lineup. Ah, so that was a nice car. It was a nice car. And, and this is there's this thing where you can't sell a young man an old man's car. And the Crown kind of addresses some old man things. Uh-huh. Like it's a little higher, so it's a little easy, easier to get into. Thank you. The doors are a little bit bigger. Okay. So if you're me, mm-hmm. big guy, you appreciate these changes. But it's also kind of cool looking. Mm-hmm. And you can get it with their um, uh, their IMAX engine, which is incredibly potent. It's, it's IMAX like, engine? I'm calling, it, I'm calling it the wrong thing. It's the TurboMax, something like that. But it's it's a 2.4 liter turbocharged engine, more, almost 350 horsepower. So a bunch of power in a car this size. Wow. And at the auto show, if you go, there's now the Crown Signia, which looks for all the world like a station wagon. 
Hmm. But that's coming to the U.S. lineup, but too. don't call it a station wagon, no, no, please. No, they'll never sell one of them. It, <laughs> and what is the color of the of the crown that is on the Consumer Guide website? It's that is such gorgeous. a cool color. I forget the name of the color. It's a beautiful bronze. And it, it, late in the day, it looks great. I think we were talking off the air about cars we had. It looks like copper tone, like copper yeah. tone refrigerators yeah. and stoves used to be in the 70s. <laughs> it's a good-looking car, and you can do a black roof on some trim levels, which oh, is pretty great-looking, too. Yeah. yeah. A couple more minutes with Tom Appel, the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, for people going to the last weekend of the Chicago Auto Show, what are some of the, you really, really, really got to see this? There's a vehicle that showed up there to no fanfare whatsoever, but is the Ford F-150 Lightning Switchgear. And people know the F-150 Lightning is mm-hmm. the electric lightning, right. and they know that the, the Raptor, the F-150 Raptor, is the extreme off-road version mm-hmm. of the F- regular F-150. Mm-hmm. The switchgear, which is not yet a production vehicle, is basically a lightning Raptor, and it's really intense looking, and it had just been driven in the desert. They brought it to the auto show, still covered in mud. Oh. So you want to check that out, but it's a serious vehicle, and I think it's something that will see production. Cool. Is this the first year where you could actually drive a vehicle outside on city streets at the auto show? They have done that in very limited capacity in the past. Huh. And I think you had to make arrangements at first, and manufacturers were handling these things on an individual basis. But yeah. I think it's more formalized now, so you can take a test drive. Uh, and I think it's mostly EVs. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to educate people, too. It is. It is, yeah. because EVs will sell themselves on a test drive. They're wonderful. Okay, well, speaking of, of vehicles, and let's see, this listener said, can you say something about natural gas cars? That's from Paul in Watsika. Yeah, that's not going to happen, it, it, not at the consumer level. Uh, people might know the construction firm Benzinga. It's a, it's a Chicago-area construction firm. Their trucks run on all Now, you know everybody is thinking yeah. Benzinga, yeah. as in Big Bang. <laughs> and <Yeah>. Sheldon. <laughs> I think that's the same spelling. I think that's the same company. But you see their trucks running around, and where the gas tank is, they have this green uh, mylar cover mm-hmm. advertising that it's usually compressed natural gas. I think there's some EVs running, too. But we're going to see compressed natural gas, CNG, in, in construction vehicles and commercial vehicles. It's not going to ever happen for consumers. And a listener also wanted to know your thoughts on whether or not uh, Tesla will continue to dominate the EV market. No. Um, they're going to have a very strong position, and for a long time, they may be the largest uh, electric car maker in the world, although China's BYD is right up there, too. That's the BY what? BYD. Uh, BYD, which is owned by Berkshire Hathaway, 10% owned by Berkshire Hathaway. Really? Yeah, interesting company, kind of a startup, and, and Warren Buffett saw it where other people didn't, but it's uh, one of the largest companies in China, and they're selling EVs outside of the country, out of China now. Hmm. But, but Tesla's got trouble, right? They, they started 2022 with a 70% market share. Mm-hmm. They ended it with a 50% market share. But their sales didn't go down, which just means the competition is coming in now. Uh-huh. And as, as Sam Fiorani, a regular guest in our podcast, uh, said, welcome to the real world Tesla. Hmm. Like now there's competition. Mm-hmm. So Tesla's still going to be a, a really powerful force, but their dominance is going to be softened in the next couple of years. BYD. BYD. D and David. Yeah. Hmm. So if you wanted to invest in something, you might be thinking about BYD. BYD sells a $12,000 EV in wow. China. Yeah, and it's wow. something you couldn't do in the U.S., crash testing. and, and uh-huh. Also, Americans don't take cars with very short range. Like, we wouldn't buy a car with 75 or 80 miles of range. In China, they will. Hmm. Is it the Chinese that are offer? that can and do offer a vehicle that you can mail order and then put it together 
at home. Are the like Sears used to do with the Allstate? Yeah. I've never heard this. I follow a, um, I'll have to send you a link to an influencer's uh, page. And she just got hers and she put it together and she's loving it. And it's the cutest little pickup truck. And I want to say it was in the under $5,000 range. So it's not like a kit car. These are Chinese, and I yeah. think they need to be assembled here for a bunch of reasons, including tax reasons, because you can't import a car directly from China. Okay, and you, it came in big crates. Yeah, yeah. You would have to assemble it yourself. I've seen those, um, and I don't think they're street legal. Oh, well, she's on a farm, yeah. So, that so they're perfect for it. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought cool. That is cool. <laughs> yeah. Talking about uh, the electric vehicles, uh, what's the buzz on the Lucid? That is a good question. The Lucid Air, which is an incredibly slick vehicle, beautiful sedan, and they've got trim levels that range from now from eighty grand to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Hello. So they cover the range up to five hundred miles of range. Beautiful interiors, great performance, unbelievable efficient. Like they go very far on a kilowatt. But they, this, no one wants sedans, especially luxury sedans anymore. So the big thing for Lucid is the Gravity, which is a midsize crossover that they're going to be bringing to market pretty soon. Bad name. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. That's yeah, just... you're right. <laughs> That's the name. Is it it's Gravity? Gra- or? Gravity, yeah. Gravity. I think of things I going, hadn't thought about the going name down, very much, but you know, even, gravity yeah. pulling you down. Maybe that's not the best name. <laughs> I do love Lucid. I've, I've said that from day one. Don't we have a Lucid on our block that's driven by a, a, a license plate that says Back Dock? You're right. You know, we no do. small ego there. <laughs> <laughs> and then is uh, is Fisker at the auto show this year? Uh, I don't think Fisker's in Chicago. They were in L.A. And this is a company. Oh, Henrik Fisker's like the coolest guy in the world. He used to be a designer for Ford and for Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. And he's a nice guy. And he's really earth-minded. But, but he hasn't had the best luck building cars. Now, they've built like 25,000 Fiskers, the Fisker Ocean. Mm-hmm. Great-looking car. Has a function called California mode, where every single window in the vehicle rolls down. Hmm. All of them, including the, like, the rear three-quarter glass that normally doesn't roll down on an SUV. <laughs> a lot of cool things about the car, and it seems to work well. Wait, wait, wait. Well, why is it good? It's just cool. It's just a breezy. So they call it the California, so you can lower your windows? Mode. Oh. Yeah. And I think that's their primary market early. Mm-hmm. But they're, he's having a hard time right now. They're not, he's not getting the buyers. Hmm. And that's a shame. Maybe it's because Fisker sells like farm equipment. It doesn't sound like a cool yeah. car. It's a dude's name, but yeah. Yeah, come up with a name. <laughs> yeah, use another name. <laughs> What's his first name? Henrik. Let's call it the Henrik. Now Actually, that's cool. There we go. Yes. And I have to ask you about that. Not an electric vehicle, but Volkswagen redoing their bus. Yeah. That's neat. That's the ID Buzz, and it is electric. It is an electric vehicle. And the thing about that is I got an email about that. I talked about it on my podcast. Larry Knutson, who's a fellow member of the Midwest Automotive mm-hmm. Media Association, sent me a very lengthy explanation for why we haven't seen it in the U.S. yet. Now, it's at the auto show, but that's still the European version, and no one knows when the oh. U.S. version is going to land here. Uh, very cool vehicle, a little bit expensive, but we're supposed to be getting a longer wheelbase, more minivan-like version mm-hmm. of the vehicle. And for some reason, it's, it's just... It hasn't shown up yet. We've known about it for years. Aren't they going to make it with a pop-up if you want it to like be, be a camper? Or a- I think they're going to try to do all the stuff, all the heritage stuff that we used to see on yeah. the old buses and Vatigans and, and things like that, including like a Vestfalia, which was the pop-up camper. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the steering wheel that's lying down like a school bus? I 
I hope not. No, you know I what? Know. I'm pretty sure you can't do that. Good. Yeah, I think that's just a Because it would like go right through your yeah. chest, right? <laughs> but for people going to the auto show this weekend, is parts shortage still a thing? And how much should that play into your decision if you're thinking about getting a new vehicle? Less and less, and it depends on the manufacturer. Um, the thing to do is, is try to build one. So if you see a vehicle and you're thinking about it, try and build one online just at the consumer site. Mm. And they'll tell you if you can't build certain things or that there's there's uh, issues with uh, mm-hmm. uh, supply. Hmm. But it's still a little bit. Yeah, it's annoying. Mm-hmm. It hasn't quite gone away. Well, the annoying thing is when the part is not available for that particular thing on your vehicle. And they say, but we'll give you $50 back for that. Yeah. We'll mark $50 off since you cannot have the, you know, in, in whatever fact, the... When we were shopping for a car about a year or so ago, I think almost every dealership we went into, they had on the stickers, oh, well, this, you, you can't get this. So Three we're giving things. you uh, 50 bucks back because you can't get that But widget. it was interesting. Every vehicle had a tow. Yeah. And... It, and... A tow hitch. All, all of the salespeople are saying, "Oh yeah, well, uh, you, you want that uh, that towing capacity?" No, I don't. And I'm by the way, <laughs> by the way, it is only a five hundred dollar add on. Well, I don't want that. Well, that, uh, really, when you sell the vehicle, that's and what we're giving you twenty five bucks back because you don't get the uh, <laughs> you don't get all the those other widget. The the General Motors cylinder deactivation system that was in all their big trucks, the Silverados, the Yukon, all their Mm -hmm. big trucks. Okay. The pickups and big SUVs. Um, They used the 5.3 liter engine and some of the bigger engine used to come with a cylinder deactivation system, Mm -hmm. and the microchips that they needed to run that system became difficult to get. So for better part of 2021, 2022, I think you couldn't get that system. Mm -hmm. But I think your credit for that it was like 50 bucks. Yeah. You're giving up two miles of the gallon. Mm Mm-hmm. For 50 bucks. But here's 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, finally, before you get out of here, is there a such thing as a bench seat in any vehicle today? I Second, think so. third row, yeah. I Front think seat. so. Front row bench seat, I don't think so. Like the last one, I think, might have been the Impala. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. yeah and that was for, mostly for commercial use or uh, yeah. fleet use. Yeah. And I think for safety purposes, too, they don't want to use them because you have to use a special airbag that covers the whole dash. Of course. Because you have to cover that middle person. Because there's always going to be that hard-headed person that says, but I got to cuddle. I'm going to sit over here, me closer. <laughs> and that's him while you're while she's yeah. driving. Yeah. Dating these days sucks. I know, yeah. it does. <laughs> All right, Tom. If people want to follow you, they should do it how? Yeah, just follow me on Twitter X. Car, I'm Car Guy Tom. Okay. And and, uh, almost everything I publish, I share there. And uh, consumerguide.com? That's a great place to go. Yeah, and, and just like visit like 100 or 200 pages. Just, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. just And share it with like 100 of your closest friends. The, and also your podcasts? Your award-winning podcast. <laughs> yes, the award-winning Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast. My co-host, Jill Samillo, and I take it very seriously. We're having a lot of fun with it. And this week, we, I mentioned Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions. Guy knows a lot about the industry. We talk about what's changing at Jeep. It's a good conversation. Mm. Okay, great. Well, thank you for coming in tonight. My pleasure. Good this is always guys. fun. And thank you, Miss Jill, for you know joining Tom, keeping yes. him out of trouble, getting him home safely. <laughs> <laughs> More coming up. Stay with us at WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Footloose. Kenny Loggins, I will never forget the uh, 
First time I heard that. It fits in with cars. It does. It does. Uh, I was uh, heading north on Lakeshore Drive mm-hmm. and had the radio on, just uh, uh, tuning around, and all of a sudden this came on, and I cranked it up to the threshold of pain and came home and uh, told Johnny, because we were just newly, relatively newly married. Mm-hmm. I said, I heard this great thing. It has kind of an Eddie Cochran uh, guitar intro. We've got to find out what it is. And it was Footloose, and... Uh, and that soundtrack won an Academy Award 40 years ago. 40 years oh, since Footloose. What's wrong with that picture? And really, if you want to see something truly amazing, go to YouTube and look up Kevin Bacon, the star of Footloose, and watch him 40 years later dance exactly oh, yeah. the way he did 40 years ago. <laughs> Didn't he do that? Well, he was with uh, Fallon, Jimmy Fallon. That's right, yeah. And he did. He was up and down the aisles and the audience dancing. Oh, my gosh. And Kevin has a wonderful podcast. It's uh, mm-hmm. all about, um, oh, what is he? Uh, it's all about guitars. Yes, he and his brother are musicians, yeah. uh, professional musicians, but he, they also live on a farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the fun videos that I enjoy is when he's sitting out in the barn on a bale of hay, and his wife and his kids are there. And, Kira Sedgwick. Yeah, and the goats and the sheep are all you know chiming in as they're all singing. It's so sweet, and it, it, I'd love to interview it, him. It's good music too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I would be. I would be goofy. You would be embarrassed. I'd be like, ah, da, da. yeah, yeah, Where did yeah. Where you see that? Was it the old orchard? Uh, I think it was the old orchard. The old, old orchard. Yeah. Because there's a theater there now. But we've never even been to this theater that's at the old orchard, which is ever-changing. Um, just last week, we read that they're getting ready to build the apartments that will be... It's going to be like uh, 40, uh, no, uh, like 400? 400. Uh, Which is hard condos imagine. or apartments. Yeah, it's going to be, be where many? the old Bloomingdale's was. Wait, time out. How can there be that many? Uh, the, the, if it was 40, I'd be impressed. 400 stories tall? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's going to be a neat place to live. I said to you, hmm, if we moved, I could see living in a shopping center. <laughs> that would be like my idea of heaven. But they'd have to have a guitar store. Well, they probably will eventually. For all the old rockers that want to live at the shopping center with their wives who view that as heaven. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was looking at some of the other songs. You've got, um, oh, uh, Sammy Hagar is on that. And I've never been a huge Sammy Hagar fan. As a solo act, uh, I know he's worked a lot with our buddy Jim Peterick. They've written songs together. Uh, they did that classic song. Um, oh my gosh! It's yeah. I'll have to look it up. Okay. Oh my gosh! It's one of those things. It's right there. I can I can see them performing mm-hmm. it. Anyway, um, if you've never watched the show Finding Their Roots, oh yeah, Sammy Hagar's show was wonderful and gave me a whole new appreciation for him finding their uh finding your roots is on pbs uh, in chicago channel 11 and i believe it airs on either monday or tuesday nights it's a wonderful show uh, this past week they did uh Dionne warwick mm-hmm. 
and just uh, it is just what it says they go they have a staff that is able to dig back into your family history so far back like fifth and sixth great grandparents mm-hmm. back and uh hagar's story was really fascinating i mean uh, sad really sad i mean homeless yeah. uh actually just stealing fruits and vegetables out of gardens mm-hmm. so that they could survive uh, heavy metal heavy metal is the song that jim and and hagar did the classic song heavy metal dang <laughs> stick with me it'll all come together after a while but uh again webbing as my friend says i'm yeah. webbing Make a point of watching that show on PBS because it's really it's so wonderful. good. Yeah, uh, last week was uh, Deanne Warwick. Um, and who is the actress? Uh, Deanne Warwick and yeah. another actress. Uh, oh, Orange is the, is the new black. Um, yeah. Oh, she was so good too. Yeah. And the week before it was uh, Sammy Hagar, and. Oh, the uh, <laughs> the sad. other actor. <laughs> oh, this is so sad. Brain fade. And we enjoyed it so much. You know what? It's late, so yeah. give us a break. Okay, I'm going to wake you up. Danielle Brooks was the one with Dan Warwick. Thank you. Yes, yes. We've never watched hey, the show. Have you ever watched it, uh, Julian? I did. You know, what do you think of the show? It's a great show. Isn't it terrific? The work that they put into it is just mind-blowing. Yeah. And, of course, you know, I, I I weep. By the end of the show, I say, this week, doggone it, I'm not going to cry. And shame on me. I, uh, brain fade on the host of the show, who I really like <laughs> you, a lot. You were going to say Lewis, that. Uh, um, oh. Henry Louis Gates, Jr. <laughs> yes. And- I want to find out where he gets his fashion sense. He is styling. Where does he buy those suits? Every week. Yeah, and those ties and pocket shifts. In fact, a nice big article on him in People Magazine this week, the new People Magazine. Oh, I haven't seen Yeah, that. long article okay. on him. Okay, I'm going to share this little sound effect with you, okay? And we'll come back after the news and I'll explain it to you. Are you ready? Okay. Here we go. Hear that sound? Now, that was Rambo going after... Uh, <laughs> it sounds like it should be um, street construction, doesn't it? It's not street construction. That's my washing machine. More on that here on WGN. We can't quit until we get our shit. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. James Brown, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. I remember playing that record when it first came out. I was working at WLTH in Gary. Mm-hmm. And there were some people who didn't think we should play it, and we said, we're going to play it. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a, a record whose timing was... Was so important uh, because back in the late sixties, sure, and the, after Martin the assassination Luther King's assassination, Dr. Martin Luther King mm-hmm. Jr. and Robert uh, Kennedy, and there is going to be a uh, an A and E special called James Brown Say It Loud, 
It's going to be a uh, two-night documentary event uh, starting February 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Monday and Tuesday night, A&E. So that's going to be uh, 7 o'clock Chicago time. Mm-hmm. And it is produced by Mick Jagger and Questlove. I am not positive, but I think this may be an extension of, uh, what was it that Mick Jagger produced about three or four years ago? Well, I read, though, that this is the documentary he wanted to do. So okay. and A and E gave him this four hour window to be able to tell okay. the James Brown story because it starts from the time he was um, in grade school and he was mm-hmm. a dropout from like sixth or seventh grade. Yeah. Horrible, sad life, but uh, he was determined that he was going to make music and he did and made history. And Johnny and I had uh, the good fortune of, of uh, yeah. talking with James Brown. I talked to him the night that John Belushi died mm-hmm. because he had, uh, well, he'd previously worked with John Belushi. Mm-hmm. Boy, I'd forgotten all about that. Yeah. And I think I talked to him first on WIND, and then the next day you talked to him. No, as a matter of fact, I had talked with him. Oh, and then. Uh, I, and then I uh, it was after I had talked with him, and we got the word that John Belushi had right. passed away and got his phone number right. and. Uh, we're able to, That's right. to have him talk with you. And it was a wonderful interview, too. And he had a great yeah. time working on the Blues Brothers movie. And um, he just seemed like uh, he had a really hard life. So there's yeah. a story to be told there. And it's four hours long. And you're like, what, really? But they broke it up into two nights. So Monday and Tuesday will be the documentary on A&E. We are rapidly running out of time. And we have to get back to, uh, what was that sound that you played before that we sound, uh, we broke for the yeah, news? And, that, uh, uh, that sound that, that disturbs me to no end. That's the sound of my washing machine. Yeah, that's my washing machine, which took but me... But you said it stopped after yeah, it did that. Yeah, and then I put in another load. And it didn't make that sound again. So I thought, well, maybe it was it, it was off balance. But that's mm-hmm. not the way it sounds when it's off balance. So I'm prepared to call a repair person. And I put the word out. And I said, you know what? I've not had any problem forever. Mm-hmm. Anybody got some suggestions on a repair person, someone that you trust, mm-hmm. you know, some local dude that works on washing machines. And that led me down the rabbit hole. And a friend told the story of her mother's refrigerator that she bought in 1951 still working mm-hmm. but she decided ah oh, maybe it's about time i got a new refrigerator really 73 years mm-hmm. and she's now thinking about getting a new refrigerator she contacted ge and told them that she still had a working refrigerator and they said we want it because we have a museum I thought this was a great story. They said, how much do you want for it? And she said, I bought it for $150 in 1951. They said, okay, sold. We'll give you 150 mm. bucks, and we'll have a truck come out and pick it up. So she had it for 70 you know, plus years for free because she got her money back. See, see, I think she should have asked more. Probably, yes. But that's so amazing. So that got people off on this tangent about how, you know... She should have asked for a new refrigerator. 
Well, yeah, maybe they'll surprise her when they bring yeah. the truck out. And they, you know, that I bet that's what's going to happen, which would be very cool. And hopefully, she hasn't gone out and bought one. But it made me think of um, a listener who said they were listening to us tonight on their clock radio from the mm-hmm. early 70s and i thought wow yeah we've got radios that are 50 years old oh sure we most of the radios we have are radios that we've had forever uh, the, there's one it's a zenith mm-hmm. radio it's a, an old tube radio and and it's one of those you turn it on takes a while to warm up but the sound is so warm oh it is it's oh. wonderful and, and i guess i was thinking about it because to be honest with you if they come out and tell me it's going to cost three or four hundred dollars to fix this washer, you know, I may be on of a mind. Well, you know what? We've had it for ten years. Mm-hmm. It's time to get yeah. another one. I'm like, oh, that's so sad. But sad. But we'd probably get something that would be more efficient. Mm. Mm. Hopefully, that's the case. Uh, off off the air, I was talking about this because that sound was something that I accidentally stumbled across when our guests were getting ready to leave. And so I said to Tom and his wife, Jill, I said, what's the oldest appliance you have? And she said, oh, our stove. It's from like 1970. I said, really? You're still using? Oh, yeah. It it won't die. Two ovens, Mm -hmm. extra burners. And my heart started to skip a beat. I was like, yes, that sounds so good. (laughs) We're going to get back to this some Saturday night. The oldest appliance that you have in your home that... uh, And we're not talking about your husband or wife. (laughs) (laughs) You beat me to it, Steve. (laughs) I I could see you running in that direction. Well, speaking of appliances, does the Zamboni... uh, Oh, see? Yep. It's not technically an appliance. have you got the picture? Oh, I do. Okay. On our Facebook page, uh, because the lights are starting to flicker and uh, and Bob is starting to drive the Zamboni to, uh, mm-hmm. to clean up the studio. So that means we have to uh, get get some, some people on the line for a last call. You know why he has to clean up the studio tonight? Because tomorrow... Tom Skilling. Tom freaking Skilling is going to be in the studio yeah. from 11 o'clock to 1 in the afternoon taking your calls. And saying, By the way, that really is his middle name, Freakin. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, 312-981-7200. Let number again, 312-981-7200, if you would like to be our last caller. And if you are our last caller, as long as you have not won anything from this here frequency <laughs> for the past two months, mm-hmm. you could win some goodies. Right. And you don't have to have anything that you need to say or want to say we just would like to chat with you i like to say you're our cherry on top of our show tonight but we should mention that next week Mm -hmm. we will have a full show Mm -hmm. and a a number of special things going on next week uh we're going to talk about heart health month oh yeah with a a, a dear friend of ours dr david naiman who is a uh, cardiologist Mm -hmm. And uh, he's going to give you some tips for staying healthy. And, and I know this sounds a little dry, 
Trust me. Well, February. You're going to want to listen. This is Heart Health Month, and February is quickly slipping through our fingers. Mm -hmm. And he is great at making a tough subject easy to understand, and he's great at answering questions, too. So he'll be answering your questions. He'll be in studio with us. Also, an old friend of ours is going to be joining us, Megan McDonough. What a talent Megan is. She's Mm -hmm. been around the Chicago area for longer than any of us want to remember. And she has a new show that's going on, A Leap of Love, the Burt Backrack Hal David Songbook at Carnival. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that. Here's some of Megan's music. We'll also be joined by uh, Patrick Crispin. And we're going to try and solve some of your computer problems and uh, update you on some, some things you need to know about what's uh, going on in cyberspace. So that's a little bit of what's going on next week. And we will have a full show starting at 9 o'clock. Next week. But right now, uh, you can give us a call, 312-981-7200, if you would want to be our last caller. And we'll get to the last caller coming up. All right, people. It's time to go home. Yep. 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 Losing time. Losing time. Head on out. So, let's go. You don't have to go home. Yeah, you really kind of do. But you can't stay here. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah. And again, for people who wonder, that's uh, the closing song mm-hmm. by Red Peters. No, we're not going to play all of it. You, you can find, if you go to our uh, blog, you'll find that a couple months ago we posted a link to the full song. And... Uh, the blog is stephenjohnny.wordpress.com. That's where you will find our podcast links and links to the uh, the bumps that we play and all kinds of things. But you will find something else now if you go to our Facebook page. Yes, you will see a picture of the keeper of the big plug, our engineer, Grandpa Bob, on the Zamboni. Yes, for those really? of you that think... Oh, he, he doesn't really nah. ride a Zamboni. He nah. does, there's a picture of Bob on the Zamboni yep. on our Facebook page. Yep. Go to Facebook.com slash Stephen Johnny Show. He knows his way around the Z machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. We have to get back to the subject of appliances other than your <laughs> spouse <laughs> that are old around the house because people are texting about that, and I appreciate it. And... Um, Somebody also wanted to know, when did we say Tom Skelling's going to be on? That's going to be today, Sunday, yes. at 11. That's Tom freaking Skilling. Skilling. From 11 till 1. Along and, with Dean Richards. Yeah, and he's going, to, he's going to be in studio. He's going to be taking calls. And he's going to be his charming and delightful self. He's the same old wave, 24-7. Yeah, he's he pretty, really is. He's going to be missed. Okay, I think this time it is my turn to... Yeah, I think draw. so. Okay, I'm going to randomly draw a number, and I feel like there's two of us, so I'm going to go with two. All right, let's go with two. And that would be Will. Hey, Will, you're on WGN. Where are you calling from? Mundelein. Mundelein. Why are you up at this hour, Will? Because I fell asleep watching the hockey game, and now I'm up again. Okay, okay. all was, right. Was that the first game or the second game? No, the second one. Okay. I watched the first one. They finally, they finally won. 
No. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yes. And on the second game tonight on the radio, it was kind of cool to hear Pat Foley again. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So you nodded off and then you woke up and you went, oh, I'm wide awake now. The rest of your night is shot, right? How, how did we wake you up? What What were you listening to when you woke up? Uh, I was listening to Time of Hell. Okay. Okay. I'm off the hook. Because usually people say, I heard you cackling and it woke me up out of a sound sleep. And oh, sorry. No, that didn't happen. Okay. I like Tom. He does good stuff. He is. He's he's sharp. You know what? He doesn't even have a note in front of him. He kind of freaks me out sometimes because he knows so much stuff about cars. So what's on your agenda for the rest of the weekend? Uh, we'll listen to Tom Skilling tomorrow morning. Yes. That's Tom freaking, freaking Skilling. Skilling. Yeah, I didn't know if I could say that or not. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, did you grow up in Chicago? You're in Mundelein now. Did you, were you born and raised in this area? Skokie. Skokie. Okay. Oh. So, you, yeah, you know Tom forever, right? He's like a family member. Yeah. Downtown Skokie, right by the church there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Boy, that area has been building up. They just built a, uh, what is that, new high-rise that they built? Right there? on the corner there. And, on Oakton, Oakton and, Lincoln. and uh, Lincoln, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And uh, Downtown? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been there in a long time. Oh, and we talk about Will's Place, uh, the wonderful cafe that is right across from the Skokie Theater, which I noticed the other day that the marquee shows that things are happening at the Skokie Theater yeah. again. And Will's Place oh. is right next to my favorite uh, comic store. <laughs> oh, yeah, comics. <laughs> Sounds like we work for the, the what, the... Uh, Board of Tourism for yeah, Skokie. Yeah, for Skokie. <laughs> yes. That's on Lincoln Avenue. Yeah. So uh, what do you uh, do Monday through Friday, Will? Well, I'm almost semi-retired. I work part-time. Oh, well, good. Great. Uh, well, what is your part-time job? Uh, field service rep. Okay. It still seems kind of vague. I feel like you probably work for the government. But if you told us more, you'd have, <laughs> you'd have to, to kill, kill us. us. No, yeah, <laughs> that, no. that would make the next seven minutes very sad. <laughs> well, we do appreciate your listening. And you are going to get your very own 100th anniversary retro T-shirt. It's not 100 years old. It's the 100th anniversary logo of WGM. Okay. Well, you're going to get one of those. And you're going to get your very own desktop weather station from uh, American Weather Makers. The 60, so the I don't 60. need anymore. Yeah. See, you won't have to worry about it because you'll have your own desktop yeah. weather station. That's right. <laughs> hey, it's nice to meet you, Will. Thank you for listening. Hold on for a couple of seconds. We'll get some information from you off the air. And uh, that's how it works? Yeah. And uh, again, yes, uh, you really can see if you go to facebook.com slash Stephen Johnny Show, you will see the picture of the keeper of the big plug, Grandpa Bob, riding on the Zamboni. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that think, oh, he doesn't ri-, yeah, yeah, he, he ri- there's yep. the picture. It's, it's right there. In fact, on our Facebook page, not only will you see that, but you will see a link to Tom Appel's Consumer Guide Best Buys for 2024. You'll also see a link to our first guest's book, Neil Samor's book, Memories of Growing Up in Chicago. And you will see some of the uh, still pictures that uh, Johnny took as we were driving in. And then buckle up. Yes. Because you will see this uh, hyper... uh, Hyperlapse. Hyperlapse video. And... 
believe it or not, some people actually say, you shouldn't drive so fast. We're not driving fast. It was like a 17-minute video that is compressed into what, like 27 seconds or something? 24 seconds. Yeah. Uh, it was actually 14 minutes because I I videoed our trip from right around California on the north side and to Peterson. When we, to when we got on Lakeshore Drive. Because I had never done this before where you actually stop but the video is continuing and that's why it, it it'll get it'll make your car sick really if you are yeah i'm watching it right now and i'm yeah. getting a little dizzy if, if i'm gonna go away from that but it's I, at facebook.com slash steve and johnny show where you can see that and see some of the other pictures yes and going home tonight i'll take some pictures too and post those because people seem to like them okay a little bit of unfinished business the listener says this is from a 630 area code at uh, 312-981-7200 way back when you did your computer shows there was another fellow on there uh patrick crispin that was patrick and he joins us twice a month yeah we had a kind of unless the we had a kind of a rotating um group let's see lee overstreet was on with us every now and then yes neil schroka right and uh also nick Oh, Nick Rotundo. Yeah, you can't forget Nick. Of course not. Uh, Also, Mike was with us, and way back when, uh, Don Crabb. Don Crabb, That was the name I was trying to come up with. Don was uh, the computer columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times, and uh, he was a wonderful, wonderful guy, uh, funny, very knowledgeable. Uh, He built his own first computers. Mm Mm-hmm. Sadly, uh, he died at a much too young age. Yeah, only in his uh, 40s when he passed away. Just a terrific guy. Uh, this one is for Julian. Sherry from Naperville says, I would love to be your last caller, but nobody answers the phone. <laughs> the phone was ringing just Julian going was like, crazy with callers. Yeah. He was like a one-armed paper the, hanger The lines were jammed up. Julian, have you ever heard that phrase? A oh. one-armed paper one-armed paper hanger busy as a one-armed mm-hmm. paper hanger does that mean anything to you nope you know what a paper hanger is right a uh, hanger with paper on it a person who who hangs wallpaper when you hang wallpaper okay okay you need two hands to do that so if you're uh, busy really really busy you're as busy as a one-armed paper hanger cause so you'd be trying to to hang the paper on the wall yeah. and put it up yeah. with one hand stick with me julian i will educate you what if I had a stump? Oh! Just trying to... Just trying now to. you're stumping me. Okay. Uh, let's see. Real quick. Oh, people are texting in with their their vehicles, with their appliances, 30 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old. Wow. We'll come, we'll come back to this yes. next week. And people also agree with you that my friend's mother should be getting a new refrigerator along with that 150 yeah. bucks that they're giving her from Absolutely. GE. Absolutely. Yes. Because that's a steal. Mm. That They better somehow be finding out what her kitchen is like and sending out the the most high-tech yes. new GE that they possibly can. And why is the listener remembering Maureen McGovern singing Morning After? Uh, 
we had talked about Maureen McGovern, and we were going to try and get her on the show. We played a little bit of that a couple weeks ago. I know, but this is kind of out of the blue. I'm trying to tie up all these loose ends before yeah. we leave. And uh, 847 says, Stephen Johnny, I would love when you had actors and actresses on from As the World Turns, because that was my favorite soap. Hands down, my favorite soap opera. Yeah. Followed by Guiding Light. And... Colleen Zink is still active yes. on Facebook, and she is back on soap operas in, is it One Life to Live? We're going to get her on. Yes, let's we do it. We haven't talked to her. Yes. She's from the mm. Chicago area. Yes. In fact, the last time we had her on, she was talking about some form of cancer she was dealing with. Yes. And she wanted to educate people about yes. it. Yes. Yeah, but I see she's very busy. Absolutely. Thank you, 847, for a reminder, because we will selfishly we'll we'll track her down because she was delightful yeah, yeah we're, we're still in touch on facebook so we'll, we we know how to get to her okay uh we are rapidly running out of time yep yep, uh, yep. please check out our facebook page facebook.com slash steven johnny show uh our uh, blog is stevenjohnny.wordpress.com don't forget to check out the uh, our youtube channel youtube.com slash Stephen Johnny show. I, I believe the uh, what did I say the last total for the Tommy 60, Emanuel videos? Uh, like sixty four thousand yeah. people have now watched that video. In a little over a week. Yeah. Mm. Okay, we're out of time. Thank you so much for hanging out yeah. with us. Uh, Thanks, Julian. Hear-